Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, Tyler's here. Jake's here. And we're, we're joined by a very special guest. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you already know, but if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, that special guest is Romero Mendoza. See? (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Uh, Coley Mick is here. Coley. Hey. How are you? You uh, anything exciting happened in your life recently? Well, I've been up late working on that Mendoza impression. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it's it sounded great. Like I I close I closed my eyes because you you let me know before the podcast that you were gonna that you were gonna drop it on me. I hadn't heard it yet, and I wanted to see if I could tell if it was you or if you were just like pulling a funny one on me and holding up your phone with a clip of Romero Mendoza. That was spot on. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I've had a lot of time, a lot of time to perfect it. <laughs> um, uh, so Coley's here and uh, just, just before everyone uh, comes themselves or doesn't come themselves, uh, it's not going to be every episode, right? No. No. <laughs> it's going to be like a little, little surprise, like here and there. Hey, Coley's here. Jared needed more people um, like Pete and Pat who were just on the worst schedule of all time. Mm-hmm. So that's what mm-hmm. I'm here for. Yeah. We have like the most inconsistent podcast roster of all time, but it's a deep roster. Like that's the thing. It's like, you know, Pat's not here. Pete L shows up. Pete's not, or Pete B uh, shows up. And if Pete B can't be here, then Coley's here. Tyler's here for Probably ninety five percent. Jake's here all the time. I'm here all the time. We got we got consistency. Um, we got a deep bench. We got a deep bench here at the Name Redacted Podcast, and uh, it is twelve oh eight a.m. So another shout out to Tyler for even fucking being here because he has to like wake up at like four a.m. Right? Yeah, you know I just <laughs> I I turned the alarm off. There's no point in existing at this point. So. Uh, <laughs> Let's ride. You know, things are good and I'm not going to take a beating tomorrow. So, uh, I'm feeling good. I finally yeah. feel not dead inside. Yeah, that's good. I'm happy for you. Um, so, obviously, uh, something happened tonight. That was pretty fucking cool. Um, but before we get into that, I'll just, I'll just say that college football is back. Thank you. Is it, is it really back? When do they start playing college football? Is that, is that a real thing? Yeah, it's coming up. It's like this upcoming weekend or the one after. Oh, cool. Well, college football is back and it's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun and the great offers at DraftKings Sportsbook to celebrate 
the best time of the year. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same game parlay for a shot and an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets in, into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. Uh, I'm still, I'm just going to stick to baseball same game parlays for now. I wish, I wish that the DraftKings Sportsbook put like over under strikes on the first pitch night because I feel like it would have got a ton of action, but I don't know if, I don't know if you can technically do that, but. I mean, it's the DraftKings Sportsbook. They should be able to make up their own rules. Um, But DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That is code Jared, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for terms and resources. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call the text, uh, the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789 in New York. 877-8. This is a weird, what, what would that be? Oh, okay. Uh, it says hope and why. I was like, what's a hoe penny? <laughs> eight seven seven eight hoe penny, which it can also be hope and why, or text hoe penny slash hope and why four six seven three six nine. Uh one per new customer, minimum five dollars deposit and wager, two hundred dollars issued as eight twenty-five dollar free bets. Good deal. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, so I'm, I'm very much coming down from a absolute adrenaline dump. Like I feel like I have a headache. I feel like my back hurts. Like I, I talked about this on a previous podcast, but I was definitely downplaying how nervous I was for sure. Cause I didn't want to like freak myself out even more, but Friday so when the Orioles won, I mean, when the Red Sox beat the Orioles on Thursday and then it was like, all right, you're up. It's it's now the series that you're doing it. Uh, I started freaking out immediately. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Friday, I took a shower at like two to get to the field by three. As I was in the shower for Friday's game, I was having like a full blown panic attack just going through like I'm standing there in my fucking shower on Friday. Like, all right, do I do I like do it from the wind up? Do I do it from the stretch? Do I ultimately landed on what I did, uh, which is kind of like this is how I would throw a baseball if I was beginning to like warm up to pitch. Like this is like the first throw that I'm going to do before I like get on the mound type deal, which is the best, most comfortable position for me. No one, no one even really noticed that it wasn't like a full wind up or a stretch. Um and I didn't come to that conclusion until Saturday night when it was Steve's birthday and everyone was like, hey, come up for Steve's birthday. I was like, nope. And I went home and, and I, I posted that video. I only, I only, that was a one take. I 
threw a baseball at my couch and had a target set up. And it was mostly me just trying to figure out like, what's the most comfortable position to like throw the pitch in. Um, and then as more and more people started finding out that I was throwing out the first pitch, uh, obviously you get like the playful chirps. Like obviously like there's dickheads on Twitter, but then you get like the playful chirps from like people that, you know, like, Hey, don't bounce it. And if you, you know, you fuck this up, like it's going to follow you for the rest of your life. And I'm like, I know that you're joking, but these are all real thoughts that I have in my head. So like you're making it substantially worse by saying all this. Uh, I felt like when I saw Pap start chir- like chirping you, yeah. I was like, all right, dude, this is this is kind of scary. Like, There's a lot of people hoping this goes really, really bad for you. Yeah, it, it got caught in, in a lot of people's radars. Like we mentioned Fred Lynn, who, by the way, like immediately tweeted me after the first pitch. Like Fred Lynn, Freddie Lynn was locked in on on that action. Papelbon chirped me. He was like, you're definitely going to bounce it or sail it or whatever. And like, Fuck you, Pap. I'll be honest. Listen, when I saw the video you posted the night before, I didn't feel good. I don't. I don't know what it was, Jared. It first off, you know, you didn't hit your target. But number two, the <laughs> run to go get the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I don't well, know. I thought what I, I broke the window. Uh, you look stiff. You just didn't yeah. look extremely athletic. And I was like, this isn't the Jared I've, I'm used to seeing. This isn't the yeah. swing I saw at Fenway Park that resembled Manny Ramirez. Right. Right. Um, so then, uh, I admittedly. I have not eaten lunch since Thursday. I've been that nervous that I haven't had an appetite to eat lunch all weekend. Um, so I, Jake texted me at like two o'clock and was like, hey, make sure that you bring the Goslings jersey to Fenway. And I was like, I have it next to me. I've been sitting at Chipotle for the last hour. And it was like, you couldn't, like, I couldn't go into Fenway until three. So I was just like sitting there. Um, so I walk up to Fenway, three o'clock is when they let you in. And I'm just nervously like word vomiting to like anyone who will listen to me talk. I'm like, I told everyone that who would listen, like, yep, if I miss, I'm not going to bounce it. I'm going to sail it wide, right? It's going to go over the right hand of hitters batters box. Like that's where I'm going to miss. Uh, and I ended up playing catch with Matt Barnes. So he went and grabbed a glove and we were playing catch. We were playing, basically playing like a long toss. Like he was, by like the red Sox on deck circle and i was down by like the tarp like just airing it out like 200 250 feet <laughs> and then uh nesson was there because we're doing beyond fenway so th- that's going to be the first episode like we filmed one with uh will middlebrooks was the tattoo episode kevin millar was the we went to like buy like cowboy stuff and then this one was kind of like a combo of like everything like anyone who who we could get for for this first one um so like we ended up going to my old high school baseball field and i interviewed my old jv baseball high school coach who was there i got him tickets he was like pretty close uh and we like i was pitching to him and just fucking sailing them like they were not they were going way wide right to the backstop and i was like oh boy but granted like that's a shitty baseball field so like the mouse sucks like this is the big leagues uh so I'm playing catch with Barnes and everything's hitting him right in the chest. Like I felt perfectly. I was like, all right, yeah, this is easy. Like people are watching me. Like I'm trying to play long toss. I got Bobby Dahlbeck chirping me. I got Jaron Duran chirping me. Um, <laughs> what a crew. Yeah. I, I forget who else. There's like other people that were chirping me. 
uh, Aaron Boone came over and he was like, he's like, I'm going to be like on the top step of the dugout. Like if you look over here, like it's going to be direct eye contact. Like I, I just want you to know that. And I was like, good. I want you to be on the top step watching me. Uh, Eduardo Perez from ESPN. He was like, if you mess this up, we got four cameras that are trained on you. Like we, we're going to air it only if you mess up. So this is ESPN signing up. He's, he's like, there's going to be like 2.5 million people watching. So if you mess this up, you bet your ass like we're going to put it on ESPN. So uh, people, as they started to file in, you know, the, the most common thing was like, don't bounce it. Don't bounce it. And I was like, listen, take it to the bank. I'm not bouncing it. Like if I fuck this up, it's going to be high. Like I'm missing high. Like there's, there's going to be cheddar on this and it's going to go high. Uh so then one of the ground screw guys came over and super nice guy. He brought, he was one of the first people to like bring me on the field back in like 2018, um, came over and he was like, I want you to, you know, get a feel for the mound. Um, so I went out, I spray painted the rubber, which they do. I did not realize that they do that before every game, but they do. So I was the one that spray painted the rubber before the game. I put in the bases, I put in first and second base um, so I got to like be out. This was after the gates were open. So there's like a decent amount of people there. So I go out there and, uh, like you get, it, it kind of like takes like the, I guess like the nerves away when the, all I said was if the first time that I throw this pitch, uh, is not the first time that I throw a baseball today, I think I'll be okay. And it wasn't. And then the added bonus was the first time that I stepped over the foul lines was not the f- like the first time that I stepped over the foul lines when I went to go throw out the first pitch. So, and I also, I'm friends with the ball girl. Um, shout out to Lauren. She like having someone that like I knew, like walk me out there. Like I was totally coddled throughout this whole experience. It's like, you got to get like Matt Barnes to like, be like, all right, I'll play catch with you. And okay, we'll get you your manager and he'll catch for you. So, that you, you know, you're all set and then we'll get you your own ball girl. So, uh, by that point, And then I guess like the first pitch was probably what, Alex, like exactly around seven from six to seven. One person asked me for a picture at the, like the netting area. So I went over there, took a picture and then a fucking line formed at the top of the stairs and just for that whole hour i was like taking pictures and like whatever else with people so i was totally just like not freaking out like oh my god it's it's coming up it's coming up i was just like distracted talking to people uh and then then it's time got to put your jersey on here we go they're gonna be in you're throwing up the first pitch there's two first pitches but you're the first first pitch uh and then it's go time and lauren walks me out there and you'll see it probably in the nesson episode i was wearing a mic the whole time so i get out there and henry mohegan announces me and i hear some cheers but in my right ear i hear booze and i anticipated this i said this to barnes on saturday i was like fuck i just realized that the Yankees are in town and they travel well and they all congregate in the same area, which is by the visitors dugout. So when they announced me, there were some loud boos too. And at least like it did, like I thought of it ahead of time. So it didn't catch me off guard. It would have totally caught me off guard being like, boo, what the fuck? But I was like, oh, like 
it's over here. Like these me. are the Yankee fans it by the me. Yankee dugout. It was Coley. <laughs> it was Coley and a bunch of Yankee fans. Uh, so I think like when I'm like, if you watch back the video of them, like, like on the video board, like they announced my name and then I look over to the Yankee dugout and I'm like, you're going to fucking boom me. <laughs> so that made me laugh, took some nerves away. And then, you know, they hear, like, you know, how about a pitch? And then you, it's not like you can be like, you can't call time. <laughs> you can't be like, wait can't a second. Step off. I'm not ready. Uh, you can't like go off the back of the mound and like go grab the rosin bag and fiddle around with that. It's like, it's, hey, you throw it. You definitely. It would be a power move. Yeah. If I just stepped off the back and just grabbed the rosin shake bag. Shake and- Yeah. You got to shake car yeah. off a few times. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, throw it in there. Fucking and Coley asked like before we hit record, and once you let it go, you know before it gets there. I, I was already saying fuck yeah before it was <laughs> like in his mitt. Uh, I cannot describe to you the feel. It, like I was describing it after I came off as like being told by a doctor like you have like a terminal illness, and then finding out that you don't have it anymore. Wow! Like that's what it felt like. Like, hey, you're gonna die. Uh, just kidding. That that we we got the cat scan mixed up. Like that's what it felt like. Because the thing is, like, I wasn't so much nervous about the crowd at Fenway. I was like, if this like this video is gonna be everywhere and it's gonna follow me for the rest of my life, and if I skip it or if I throw it to the backstop, then I can never like criticize another pitcher for the rest of my life. Like, oh, you, like, you didn't fucking throw a strike either. So I was like, there is a lot riding on this that i i guess i didn't truly realize until uh the days leading up to it um so i i i remember just like going out there being like all right we're gonna we're gonna truly find out like does god hate me like i have done this so many times it's super easy it's you don't i didn't throw it as hard as i possibly could like i put some zip on it so that it wasn't like a dinky little lob but like I, I threw it. It was like I said, it was it was how I would throw to start warming up to pitch. And it hit core right in the chest. The biggest fucking relief that I've ever felt in my life. I will never throw out a first pitch ever again, ever, ever. Like the, the toll that this took on my body and my mind over the last 72 hours like I'm thankful for the experience. It was amazing. I'm glad my mom was there. My adopted sister was there. It was awesome. Like so many people were super. All the tweets I saw, most of them. It was so fucking cool. But I will never do that again. <laughs> never. It shocks me how nervous you actually became because last time we recorded, mm-hmm. you were fine. You were perfectly mm-hmm. fine. You I, yeah. And I know you were trying to comfort yourself. You could see it on your face a little bit, but. For it to happen that quickly, it makes sense. Now, what surprised me was how hard you actually threw it. That was one yeah. of the hardest first pitches I think I've ever seen before. And yeah. personally, I liked it. I hate when it's looped in there. It actually felt like you had something on it. Yeah. Uh, so when I throw, I threw out the first pitch for the Lowell Spinners. I think I've told the story before, but I threw, threw out the first pitch for the Lowell Spinners in 2008. And that was like back when I was like actually still playing like baseball. Um so I got up on the mound, wasn't nervous at all. I was like, yeah, fucking, I'm just going to hum it. I, I did like full wind up and I, I threw it as hard as I fucking could. And it was boom, strike like right there. I wasn't nervous, like leading up to it. I didn't give a fuck. And 
that was like as hard as I could possibly throw. And it was a strike. This one was just like, please God, just hit him in the chest. Like, just get this over, get this over with. I was so relieved. Like I, like I still haven't even really truly like decompressed from this yet. (laughs) Like uh, after the game was over, like Jake and some people came over and we just like sat on my deck because like we were waiting for like the the Ubers to to be able to fucking get in the Fenway area. And I was just like sitting there and like we still got to do the podcast, doing the podcast now. Like when we're done with the podcast, I'll probably just like lay in bed and die. Like I, I don't, I don't know. And how, how many times have you watched it now? Uh... Not a lot because we still had to finish the Nessun episode. So like it, the whole thing was for goslings. So, you know, I'm there, I'm freaking out. We do the first pitch. I come off the field. We go up through the crowd fucking like the other thing too, that I, I wanted to, to like throw out there about like, Oh, like, don't be nervous. What about like, I was essentially like facing my biggest fear, like in life, in life. Uh, when I was a kid, I could, I probably was like nine or 10, maybe, uh, I went to a Bruins game and they put me up on the jumbotron and it was because we won the golden seats. So like normally like when they put you up in the jumbotron, you wave and then they move on to the next person. I didn't know we won the golden seats. So they put the camera on me and I'm waving and it's like not going away. And I'm like, still, I'm like, all right. And, I, and then I felt horrible. And then they moved me down to the seats on the glass. We went from like literally the back row to on the glass. And as we're going throughout the garden, everyone's like, oh, that was a kid that was on the jumbotron. And all the So like people that I didn't know were like pointing at me and I fucking hated it. I was like traumatized by it, went home and tore all the Bruins shit off my wall and was like, fuck the Bruins. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I can't believe that they did that to me. How they embarrassed that. me. Yeah. So I, then that and then also uh, like not to get like too deep or anything, but like the the speed pitch thing with White Sox Dave, like I've talked about that before where like. I mean, I've never watched that back. I can't watch that back. I've never watched it back. Like doing that and then uh, it's like, all right, Dave's average speed is 77 and you got to beat that. And then it's like, all right, 74. And then you just see Erica's face was like, yikes. Like I was like an embarrassment to the company. And uh, that was like humiliating. And I even told them because like even like that was at the end of 2019 and that I was super, super, super depressed in 2019. So I lost all my weight. Like, I think I started that year probably at like 185. Like when, if you look at me in the Bregman pitch video and compare that to the, the White Sox Dave video, I'm probably down like 30 pounds, like legitimately like 30 pounds. So I had nothing. I I was fucking frail. I was sick. I was not doing well. And then you take that and then put me in a speed pitch competition where I didn't even want to do it. I was trying to take one for the team. I was like, all right, like if this is going to help sell more T-shirts, then I'll do it. So I go out there, bomb. 
And like literally the CEO of the company is showing this disgusted look on her face of my existence. Uh, and I, I told that story like on her podcast that after the speed pitch competition, I went and sat at my desk and I did not move until like 1.30 in the morning because someone had to come and get me and physically remove me from the office and be like, it's time to go home. So all of that, all of that is in my head going into this first pitch at Fenway. It was kind of like overcoming my biggest fear and like having a, a redemption moment where it's like, hey, let's see what you got. All the fucking eyes are on you. This is going to be on social media. You got to do this in front of a bunch of people. The Yankees are over there. You know, that guy, Garrett Cole, that you fucking talk shit about all the time. He's over there. Like the Yankees are over there. Yankee fans are over here. These are all the people that tell you to kill yourself and, and shit on Twitter. They're over there. The Red Sox, the guys that like you're starting to slowly gain their respect. They're over there. Your friends and family are all up here. Now go. So to put things in perspective, there was a lot of fucking pressure and I guess history of mine to to put behind me. And I know that like Gosling's is probably listening to this being like, Jesus Christ, dude, (laughs) like we just wanted you to have a little fun. We didn't think that this was going to be a life defining redemption moment for you. Like, we, you know, we're the official can cocktail of the Boston Red Sox. We sponsor your podcast. We like you guys. That's great. Uh, but for me, it, it represented so much more uh, than just throwing a baseball to uh, Alex Cora at Fenway Park. It was uh, very clearly a lot more to me than that. So having that moment where it was a strike and it was Cora who caught it, who like, I value my relationship with him a lot as uh, not just the manager of my favorite team. It goes beyond that with him. Um, Yeah, it was, it was very special, but like I said, I never, I never want to do that again, unless, unless it's tomorrow. Like they're on the, I'm saying hypothetically, let's say there was a game, like I can, I can keep going. And this is how I felt about when I first started doing TV with Comcast. Uh, Like I would, you know, when I very first started doing TV, it's like, all right, I would build it up, build it up, build it up. And I would have this shield of feeling comfortable. And then the off season would come around and then the the new season would start. And it's like, all right, now I got to build that shield back up and like do it. Like <laughs> I was saying to Coley, like uh, if they wanted to make me the Renee Rancourt of the Boston Red Sox, where I throw out the first pitch before every game and scream and, and <laughs> get the people going, I could probably do that. But if you're going to ask me once every 15 years, it's probably it's probably not going to go well in my in my brain. Um, so, yeah, it was it was more than just throwing a strike and being an asshole wearing a fucking jersey that says rocket on the back instead of Carabas. Uh, there was there was a lot riding on that. And I was I was trying not to get those thoughts in my head, but I was fearful for what would happen to me mentally if I did not throw a strike in that first pitch. So thank God, thank whatever is up there in the clouds for, for allowing a pitch to enter the strike zone during that moment in time. I'm, like, cool. I'm, I'm happy that 
everything went well, but now I'm I'm picturing like remember in 2020 when the, the fields were empty, there were no fans, but that guy yeah. broke in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah. Like now I'm wishing he popped up like right before you threw, and like all attention went on him. You just like threw one high, no one even saw it. That would have been great. Uh, yeah you try i don't to, like, think scale that uh, ladder on the monster to jump off of it would have been very funny if things went yeah. went awry but yeah i'm happy everything went well everything went well I- i'm yeah. honestly worried about you uh, i'm worried i don't think anyone should ever ask of anything like this of you ever again <laughs> ever again like to see the state you're in and what you were battling through like i'll, I'll be honest you know me and you were talking this morning i felt like when i sent that final text i didn't know if i was ever going to talk to you again yeah we didn't know if there was gonna be a podcast anymore yeah i uh i'm dead serious about all that like it was it started with that fucking bruins thing it it was it was like a a dormant thing in my brain that that came out did you like the speed pitch thing and it was like oh fuck it it's coming back to kill me this is it like this is jaws three he didn't he didn't eat me in the first two but uh, you know, he might have taken my leg in Jaws two, but in Jaws three, he wants my throat. Um, and we fought back against that shark, and we, we, you know, we piped one in there right down the fucking cock. <laughs> I feel like Coley thinks that I'm being dramatic, but like that's no. When that's you at f- at the very very beginning said like ah, i felt like i beat cancer yeah that's that's yeah, no, no, no 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 and then no. when you went in that's not it, what i meant by that like oh. it's more i didn't i didn't mean it like that i meant it like if i don't throw a strike here something is going to happen in my brain that will make me want to leave this earth which is the same thing as a terminal illness like i was not going to be okay if this did not go well and i cannot stress that enough well it did yeah it did i'm speechless I don't know if what you just said is worse than actually what you said at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> that is, this is actually what you said is more concerning that you were basically going to jump off something if this did not go well. Yeah. I mean, like, how, how can I show my face at Fenway if, if I just fucking fired one to the backstop? Like, I would get absolutely buried relentlessly. And like I said, it's in front of the Yankees and the Red Sox. And you're you, Alex Cora is standing right there. Like, what if I just sailed one and Alex Cora just goes, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, P.U. He just starts booing with everyone else. Like, the crowd would have booed, right? No, it's more of a laugh, a point and laugh. Like, a, ah, it would have been a groan. But then maybe some boos. So, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I would have been able to handle getting booed <laughs> at Fenway. That just would not. That you made did. Me feel you, good. Did. you literally got booed at Fenway. Yeah, Yankee fans, obviously. Yeah, but that's you know, it's I'm Jeter to them. It's you, not you like boo you- me because you boo me because you wish I was the Yankee guy. You do. I think the worst part about it would have been like Pat being like, "See, it's not so fucking easy, huh?" Oh, that would have been the first been thing out of his fucking mouth. You a hundred percent know. He did. You yeah. hear from him today at all? I have no idea. Oh, God. 
I don't know who I talked to today. I, the whole thing was just a fucking blur. Like I had a bunch of like text messages and whatever else, like when I came off the mound and I like after like an, I don't know, maybe like an hour and a half after the first pitch, I just like opened and like went back, opened and went back just so that I didn't have the notifications anymore. And like, I'll, I'll go through them later, but I just couldn't look at like the number of text messages. Like I'm a, I'm not like, there's people that have like 400 fucking unread text messages. I don't know how those people exist in this world. They're psychopaths. Um, but I just couldn't look at like the number anymore. So it's like, I'll, I'll just go back. Coley. You know, there's a button you can press that just opens all of them, right? Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. I did not know that. That's because I'm always on top of it. Like I always make sure that I like at least read them. Well, next time that happens to you, give me a shout and I'll walk you through it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'm just, I'm just glad it's over, man. So I'm glad it went well. People at Gosling's listen, don't do anything. You want to get Jared a cake. He's going to tell you about his (laughs) seventh birthday. Uh, where his like great aunt choked and died on on one of the plastic ninja turtles on it. He's he's terrified of cake. No nice things for for Jared anymore. Yeah, yeah. Did but you? I see- needed I needed to overcome that. I needed to uh, I needed to face my fear of. It's. I mean, I don't even know what you would call that because it's not like public speaking. Like I've done that. Like I I spoke at graduation. I did have to take like a fucking. I don't even know. Like whatever like anti-anxiety medication that's the only time i think i've ever taken anything um I th- I, yeah i took a xanax i took a xanax before my college Popped graduation speech um but yeah i mean that's that's what i guess people don't understand is like when you're on social media like yeah you can have a lot of followers but like i can't see you guys <laughs> when we do this show all the people that listen i I can't see you like I can't see the audience. I'm just sitting here in my fucking apartment by myself. I'm, I'm looking at Coley and Tyler and Jake, but they're not here. Like it's uh, it's a very different experience to, to go out there in, in front of people. That's where it's better to be like a Bill Murray or someone like that, which I don't know why you haven't tried to do that yet, but like he do can what? do anything there and people are like, oh, that's a classic Bill Murray bit. You everyone's like, no, if he doesn't throw a strike, He'll never live this down. Correct. Yeah. I mean, like the players were all saying the same thing. Like, like one, I I think Brazier was like, if, if, if you bounce it, you'll never be able to allowed in this dugout again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was, I was getting it from both sides. I mean, you know, you're, it's yeah so i credit to me i'm fucking i'm a war hero right now (laughs) i'm happy you're living in reality purple heart jared i I would love a purple heart for this to be able to (laughs) to hear those those metaphorical uh those jungle bombs and just be able to run through it like willem dafoe and in platoon that was me i was what's his name elias yeah. You ever saw Platoon? I can't recall every, like, I've seen it once. All right. I don't even I think know his what name that is. Elias. Yeah, I know. You're like 12. Okay. Right. I want you to start going to those, like, meetings they have at, at church where it's like 12 troops talking about their PTSD. And, and then you mm. sit there and you're like, well, one time I had to throw a first pitch at Fenway. 
and yeah. then they just relentlessly beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was that. Uh, you weren't there, Tyler. I thought you were there. I I saw you post the video, but it was just like someone else's. Oh yeah, no, I was ready. I knew someone was gonna have that video, and uh, I, I had it planned. You know, I need to get those Twitter likes. I need some of that clout, so uh, I jumped on it the first second I could. You're welcome. They, thank um, you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Did you tweet about it, Coley? I didn't see any. I haven't looked. Did you Multiple. tweet about it? Did you really? Yeah. The fuck did you say? No, I retweeted a bunch. I, I mean, I texted you the second it happened. You um, did. Uh, I don't think I outright said anything. I retweeted. Um, Eduardo Perez. You just said. Eduardo Perez. Yeah, and then I think two of yours. Got it. Thought you were talking shit. Um, Jake, Jake was just mere feet away. Um, that was your second time on the field, right? Yep, second. Were you nervous? Jake sliding in last second with a bat and taking you four forty the opposite (laughs) way would have been all time. Oh man! I Um, honestly. A lot of talk about your nerves. I was a little nervous for myself because, I mean, if you if you bounce that thing, there's a lot of talk about normal normal podcasts. I don't know what your career would have been at DraftKings after that. Like, right? If you bounce that, I could have been out of a job. <laughs> right. Right. You can't you can't walk around calling yourself the tribal chief of baseball if you can't throw a fucking baseball. Can't do it. It's true. So, I mean. It went well. I'm happy. Happy my mom was there. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was cool, but never again. <laughs> I'm just very relieved, and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I guess. I guess it was also uh, pretty eye opening. I was saying this to the dude. Um, his name is John. He he does like he's an usher up in State Street Pavilion. He's the fucking man. Um, I was saying that to him because like I usually sit up in State Street for the games. I don't usually go down uh, in like the loge or whatever like that. Uh, I was like, yeah, I don't even really think that like I was like people don't really give a fuck about me anymore. I was like, I, I think uh, I was like that that ship has sailed. Like I'm like the old guy now. And then when you go down there. I mean, people were going fucking bananas. Like the the people were still like, like I didn't know that people uh, still fucked with the show like that. That's cool. That was that was probably one of the coolest parts of the whole night was uh, like how many people were like coming up and saying hi. Like I don't, it doesn't register in my brain because I just I hide. I hide. That's what I do. And Coley, I feel like, have you been to a game yet this year? No. Can you do something about that? The last time I was there, um, you were in a dinosaur costume or no, a monster costume, right? Yeah. And that was, it wasn't the last game of the season, but it sure felt like it. Uh, <laughs> and then promptly became it shortly thereafter. Um, so you talk about PTSD. Yeah, I mean, do I do I McMahon have like a aside here to talk about my trauma in Fenway Park? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you overcame your fear of being up on the monster for the sake of the team. That was tough. It didn't even fucking work. 
No, it didn't. They lost that game. I mean, you had to hang out with Steve. Yeah, none of it was easy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And Xander hit a home run. Like, I also got there late, and I think Xander hit a home run that would have hit me directly in the dick. So I think that's when when everyone should have known things weren't going well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things could have gone better. Definitely. Um, All they had to do was call that fucking strike. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Laz Diaz. Do you, has the first pitch been made sweeter by the fact that Waka went out and shoved and the Red Sox won in a shutout? Like, do you, how how responsible do you feel for that? I, so here's the thing. I was going to tweet that, um, but like we just ended up having to do a bunch of shit like after the first pitch. But I was, I already had it pre planned in my head. If you throw a strike, the tweet was like, all right, that's great and all, but the Red Sox still have to win this game or else I'm going to get blamed for the loss. Uh, I'm not going to take credit for the win, but I was prepared for getting blamed for the loss. Uh, it's good that that people are now saying because I went out there and blessed the mound by spray painting it and throwing a fucking dart down the dick uh, that that set the tone for for Waka to go out there and shove. Um, I personally will not take credit for that, but I was ready to take the heat. If, if, could you imagine if my fucking first pitch was the Sydney Sweeney game? Right. Could you fucking imagine like who gives a shit that you threw a strike? The Red Sox lost 35 to two to the Yankees. Like it wouldn't like after all that, all the nerves and then executing a perfect pitch that you're you're fucking you're a curse like people wouldn't even like let me in their houses after that i i will say there was a weird thing going on today with you obviously throwing out the first pitch michael waka coming back his last start before he got injured was 628 was it really it was 628 that was his last start what toronto yeah it was toronto and for everything to flip the Red Sox win a real series against an AL East team. Jared, you throw a strike, and Michael mm-hmm. Walker comes out and throws seven scoreless against the Yankees. Yeah, you won't, I mean, you won't take credit for the win. Will you take credit for potentially, potentially, because we don't have enough data yet, potentially turning the season around? If they make the playoffs, and this is the, the jump-off point, then 1,000%, like, I'm going to take credit for that. But right now, right now, I'm just happy I'm not hanging from my fucking chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm really happy about if we're being honest i'm happy to be boots on the ground headphones on the ears mic to the lips coley to the eyes that's if, what i'm happy about you were like i'll only take the mound if the red seat snipers have uh have a <laughs> red dot on my chest just in case it's a bad pitch they can take me out immediately yeah i mean i i th- like I thought about so many different scenarios with this. I was like, I checked the weather this morning. I was like, please be raining. <laughs> like, please have rain in the forecast. So that like, at least if they don't cancel the game, I'll be like, well, it was fucking raining. Of course it slipped out of my hand. Uh, I was like, oh man, my, 
I don't know what it is. Like nothing really happened, but my knee really fucking hurts. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> it's like maybe I tore my ACL and I should probably get like an MRI. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely brought me back to <laughs> like my Little League days when it's like you would face that team. There was always like that one team that had the fucking kid that threw 97 miles an hour, but he had no idea where it was going and you just dreaded. Like, I'd be sitting in class all day being like, fuck, like, we got to face Chico D'Amico tonight, and I don't want anything to do with that cat. And you'd just be worried sick about it. And it's like, I'm I'm, I'm not walking up to an at-bat. I'm walking up to the gallows. Like, he's going to fucking kill me. Um, so, that's kind of, again, that's just what I felt like. But, you know, fucking 96 right down the cock. Sorry about it, dude. It was a terrible day for the haters. Terrible day for the haters. Throw a strike, walk a shutout. Red Sox win. They win their first series against an AL East opponent. And then Rochelle Ryan, the number one MILF porn star in the world, tweets about me. She was, what did she say? She said, he's a 10, but she's a Yankee fan. She said, uh, he's a 10, but he's a Red Sox fan. And then tagged me. It's like, hey, Rochelle, baby, baby, listen. I mean, I got, I got things to do. I'd love to spend time with you. I'd love to hang out. But at the end of the day, I'm fucking busy. And, you know, she seems like a really nice lady. Uh, big fan of her work. But at the end of the day, we just, we just live two different lives. Is you know? she okay with your, uh, how should I frame it? Uh, friendship with Sandra? Um, so, the thing about Sandra is like, it seems like her and Pat are getting serious again. It seems to me that <laughs> it seems like Pat and Sandra have been spending a lot of time together. And uh, it seems like, you know, like Pat's like, no, we're just friends. We're just friends. And then they, they're like sucking each other's boobs in a pool party in Vegas. And I'm like, I don't do that with my friends. So. I'm happy for her. I mean, I I miss her. I mean, obviously, I miss movie night with Sandra. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, she she was Pat's first. She was Pat's girlfriend, and then just my really good platonic friend. Uh, it just sucks that you know we can't have both like we used to. I just thought on a night like tonight, where really this might be the best day or one of the best days of your life. Yeah, she'd care. Yeah, you think she'd care enough to you know be around? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I won't, I won't name names, but there was a player. I won't say what team they were on. Could have been the Yankees, could have been the Red Sox. Text me after the game. You may have beaten George W. with that middle, middle first pitch. And even that, even that experience, and I, I, would, I would imagine Coley would agree. I don't think anything. Coley's had like six kids. He's gotten married. He's bought in like six houses. Nothing's going to top the parade. Nothing's going to top the parade. That unless unless we do it again, but I don't even know if we do it again that it would top the first one, right? Parade? Yeah. Will really depend on the circumstances. Every World Series we win, I feel like we're constantly reshuffling the order of importance of everything behind <laughs> 04, but it's like, man, 08 or 07, excuse me, 07 was a month and a half, two months in the freshman year of college. Like that was mm-hmm. sick. And I was like, oh man, 13. The significance to the city it's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to beat that and then 18 it was like man we'll never see a better team than fucking this like this is mm-hmm. insane and then we're in the parade like 
So yeah, I don't. Who's to? I'm not. Listen, I dare them to win one. Put us on a duck boat, and then I can tell them how <laughs> which one is better than the other. How's that? How's that? How you like that challenge, dude? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like talking about things I haven't experienced. So get to winning, fellas. <laughs> Give me another ship, dude. That's Simple. how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I. Uh, it would be tough to top that, but I was gonna say it'd be it'd be hard to beat your first. But like, we're talking about like you know my first like the girl that I lost my virginity to. She sucks. So like, she's not even in like the top fucking. <laughs> 25 <laughs> so i mean i guess if we're talking parades there's a chance to i guess there's a chance to beat that so um yeah i'm excited jake how you feeling right now could really go for an ag1 yeah i bet you could i bet you could uh and also i mean a big shout out to athletic greens because if it weren't for them i would have literally zero nutrients in my body i tried to eat didn't work out went straight liquid diet still had enough energy to to get out there and dominate um and our next partner has a product that i use literally every day thank god started taking ag1 because i wanted better gut health and more energy but now i've been on it for a few weeks and i actually feel great because of that uh people are like well what is it like with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. Um, why I use it, obviously, we do four podcasts a week, we're doing streams, we're traveling, it's exhausting. Waking up and taking my AG1 gives me the strength and energy that I need uh, to do all of this and pull off all this stuff and not just pass out on the mound at Fenway Park, try to be entertaining on my A game every single day. It's got all my vitamins and minerals that I need in one easy scoop. Now that I'm on the road more, me and Jake just got back from uh, the Mets game. I think, we're, are we doing Philly? Is that something that's going to happen, Jake? It's been talked about. Yeah, I want to go to Philly. I want to go see my pal Bryce. Um, after I bring the, you know, you can have the to-go-to packs because we're on the road, we're in airports, we're taking taxis and Ubers and all that. Costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Supports better sleep quality and recovery. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and you can arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune system supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Red Sox. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Red Sox to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Um, trying to think, there was, there was a bunch of like pretty, I, I need to like take notes like when I'm like over like the course of a series of like things that I like want to talk about. Uh, there was one moment, like I, I witnessed the moment where Haim uh, introduced himself to Jury's Familia for the first time. And Familia, I, he probably thought he was like a reporter or something. He had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, hey, I just want to introduce myself. Like, congratulations. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, no idea. There's no chance that he knew that that was Haim, the dude that's literally like the reason why you're here. Um, so the 
three-game series against the New York Yankees, before this series started, the, t- the stance that I had was, all right, the Yankees are playing poorly. The Red Sox have been playing poorly in every single month that isn't June. And the way that I saw it going was along the lines of, normally if the Red Sox were good and the Yankees were playing poorly, it's like, all right, well, this will be a series that can wake the Red Sox up because they can, you know, the Yankees aren't playing well, but I felt it like the opposite. I was like, ah, the Yankees are a good team that aren't playing well and they're about to play the Red Sox. Like this could be the series that like wakes them back up. Nope. (laughs) Still snoozing. I mean, put it this way. The Red Sox were a fucking bunt away. And the Red Sox, the only game in the series that they lost was on a bunt and a two-run homer by a dude that had zero home runs all season prior to that home run. 379 plate appearances. He stinks. IKF. Uh, not not good at, at hit. And I was more along the lines of thinking like this could be this could be the series that kind of wakes up the Yankees again. And I didn't I didn't love feeling that way. Uh, but here we go. Red Sox have won an actual series. I mean, not not to say that the, the series against the Orioles doesn't count. Of course it counts. Do you think that counts, Coley? That why wouldn't it? OK, I mean, because people were trying to argue that a series can't by definition just be one thing. Has to be a series. They're wrong. I agree. I think a series is like we're playing you, then now we're playing someone else. So when we played you, that was a series. It was a one game series. That's like that's why in the playoffs, like yeah, it's a one game playoff series. It's one game. Yeah. Wow. So that's actually the best argument I've heard on that so far. Hey, that's why we're. This is why we're. uh, I don't know where we are in the charts, but it's why we're in the. It's why we're on the charts. That's <laughs> why we're. That's why we do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I did not have any real confidence going into the series against the Yankees. We looked at the pitching matchups, and I didn't hate the matchups for for the Red Sox. I didn't know what we were going to get out of Waka on Sunday Night Baseball. Had I known that a little fucking fresh spray paint on the on the rubber was going to turn into fucking Greg Maddox out there, then I would have felt a little bit more confident. Maybe I would have said two out of three. Uh, what did I say, Jake? Do you remember? I think you might have had a sweep. For the Yankees? For the Sox. Oh, no, I had a sweep for the Red Sox. Yeah. All hey. right, so I was... Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't mean that, though. But I did say it, just in case. Um... Tyler, I think you had two out of three, right? Yeah, I did. I, I did have two out of three, so I will take my W for that. Um, but I don't I, I think you look at the series, realistically, you shouldn't have been able to take two out of three after the way game two played out. And mm. you did kind of throw that game away, ultimately. But like, you know, we saw in the series, your starters had to ball out to a new level, 189 ERA for them. The bullpen out of one ERA. Like, we're, we're talking about absolute shoving for a pitching staff that is done. You know, part of it's been bad performance part of it's been injuries but they've been dog shit since the beginning of july um they all stepped up and you saw core empty the tank with whitlock on friday tried to do the same thing with schreiber on saturday didn't work and then you entered today with almost nothing thinking michael walker wouldn't be able to go deep because you know he was coming off the il and he gives you seven scoreless brazier two outings in a row in the eighth inning without absolutely shitting the bed a miracle 
Um, and then Cora pushes it with Garrett Whitlock again. You know, you see Alex Cora managing and realizing, and he said it before the series, if we don't start winning games, really, you know, what can I say at that point? I got to stop saying all this stuff about, you know, there's plenty of season left or whatever it may be. Well, Alex Cora's put his foot on the gas. And you saw it in the series and it paid off. Um, what did you say, Coley? I said, I said the Red Sox would have won. Oh, uh, you were fucking wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what did you take from the series, if anything? I mean, the Red Sox, the Red Sox are at their best when they've got two things. And I'm not talking this year. I'm talking historically. Uh, a reliable leadoff hitter and a great DH. Now, the great DH had nothing to do with this series, really. But a reliable leadoff hitter, the Red Sox do have once again for the first time. Kike did a, a good job last year, but even last year he was bouncing around the lineup a little bit, uh, even before Schwarber was acquired. Um, so it's 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 nice having a leadoff hitter for the first time, really, since we traded Mookie um, and Tommy Pham, who has just come in here, best bat acquired at the deadline by any team. Facts. And it's just made this team his. Uh, Friday was awesome. I thought he was going to fucking do I texted you. I thought he was going to do it again last night. Um, right. And he did his, his part. <laughs> so you can't. It, this isn't wiffle ball one-on-one. He can't bat all nine times with a ghost runner. If he could, no. I, I feel like Vegas would have us as the odds-on favorites to win it all. Uh, Tommy Pham is, is the face of the Boston Red Sox, and I'm, I'm glad to have him. Dude. Thank you for saying it. Did you guys hear what they talked about on the ESPN Deportes uh, broadcast tonight? Mm-hmm. With Tommy Pham's con, or like he got his brand new contacts in he got, today coming in. I read he got a brand new contact, just his left so, contact. So it's I, just one. Yeah. I think that's what Bob did too. It's working for one of them. <laughs> no, Bob's been fucking hot. Fuck you. He's not touching the field lately. Yeah, but when he, but when he did, I mean, Bob's, fuck you, Bob's been hot. Don't shut up. I love okay. Bob. Everyone knows I love Bob. I feel bad. He's, I wish Bob was. I wish he had more fucking playing time too, but I mean, goddamn, you just got a, you just got a first baseman and, and Eric Hosmer. Oh, that was the other thing. I, yeah, I met Eric Hosmer. Oh, those were the things I wanted to talk about. I met Eric Hosmer for the first time. Great guy. Met Tommy Pham. So I was talking to, uh, Kevin Pulecki, the day of the trade. And, uh, or no, it might have been the day after because it was when Pulecki had met um, Tommy Pham. And I was like, I was like, I think that this guy fits. Like, it's uh, like when he, when he scored that run in Houston and he like went up to Verdugo and like flipped his chain and he like went up to JD and gave him a chest bump. I was like, Tommy Pham is playing like he has been on this team all fucking year. And I love that. Like, I love an instant fit. And then he ended up hitting like three home runs in a row. So I said to Pawlecki, I want to fucking meet this guy. Like I interviewed him in 2018. It was over the phone. There's no chance he knows who I am. Like I want to meet him. So I'm in the dugout on Friday and we're by the bat rack. Up the stairs comes Tommy Pham. Pawlecki stops the conversation mid-sentence. He's like, Tommy Pham, Jack Robbins. Jack Robbins, Tommy Pham. And I was like, hey man, like nice to meet you. Like big fan. Like don't punch me in the face. I, like I'm, I think that you're... He's like all business. Mm-hmm. He is like he I don't know that he's like a make jokes guy, 
maybe he is. I don't, I don't want to try to find out like that's someone else's like mission. Uh, but he's all business. And, uh, so he was like, like he was about to like go up to like take BP and he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, I need to get like more than one hit. And I was like, bro, your hits are fucking homers. Like he was mad that like his, he's like, yeah, I've only been getting like one hit a game. I was like, yeah, they've all gone over the fucking fence, dude. Uh, and yeah, so he, I think he like took batting practice today, came by, said hi, super nice. Um, but yeah, like I feel like this group for where they are in the standings, the vibes are not where you would think they would be for a team that, do they still have a losing record right now? Yeah. 57 and 59. Yeah, so like for where they are at like this late in the season, um, the vibes around this team are not what you would think that they would be. Like they're just like, hey, we're gonna show up at the yard. We're gonna do what we do. If we win, great. If we lose, we're gonna turn the page. Show up tomorrow, and it's the it's the same attitude. Which obviously you would prefer the Red Sox to be playing better baseball right now, but uh, I, I think. You can't ask for more than that, you know. Like you, you don't want. Like I, I my, I, I've told this a million times. My first time in the clubhouse ever was in 2012, and it was a fucking, it was a morgue. Like they, everyone was miserable. Everyone, and it was right around this time. It was like mid-August. Uh, it was after the the Gonzalez Beckett Crawford Punto trade. Um, everyone was miserable. And right now it's like, you know, they could be down. They, they just lost Christian Vasquez. Like people are obviously like upset about that. We're upset about that. Still are upset about that. Uh, but yeah, for all things considered, I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell that they're in last place with a, a two games under 500. Yeah, really? I think you look at it like even with Tommy Pham and some of the stuff he's saying, he believes in this team. And I liked how he kind of, he didn't call out Heim, but he put a little bit of the pressure saying like, Heim, why didn't you do this four months ago? Like, I wanted to be here. This is the team I wanted to be a part of because this is the kind of group that I like to be around with. I feel like I gel with them. Um, and I think it's a little upsetting. Like, you know, it was clear Tommy Pham was a fit here before the season. The Red Sox talked about AJ Pollock. They went, they obviously knew they needed another outfielder. He's here now. I think all of them are kind of looking at it and saying, all right, well, obviously this team was not put together the way it needed to be for it to really survive the injuries and a lot of the ups and downs of the year. But you know, there's two months-ish left of baseball. You look at the teams in front of them, you know, from a talent perspective, none of those should heavily outweigh you. Why, at the very least, can you not play competitive baseball and play spoiler down the stretch? You don't have to be the dead team we watched for the past month that can't field proper grounders or, you know, have a starter go more than four innings. And I think that's the thing with Tommy Pham. You just haven't had a lot of guys with that kind of edge here. And, you know... Look at last year. I think Kyle Schwarber brought some of it, but I don't know. I look at Tommy Pham and it feels like he's closer to what Johnny Gomes than anything, where it's just like, yeah, he's a little crazy. He's a little out there, but like maybe that's what a dead Red Sox team needs to have some life for the last two months. Cool. Yeah, I just wish Pham was younger. Maybe that's the only yeah. thing that is frustrating because he, he, a guy like that does have an expiration date. There's, there's part of a reason he's been on. Uh, a hand more than a handful of teams over. He's been with Heim before, um, right? But like he, he, right when we traded for him, I was like, we haven't had a Carl Everett in a while, and that's that's what he's. Been. I mean, I'll I'll never forget one of my favorite Red Sox memories 
even after everything we've accomplished since, him hitting that single off Mike Musina to spoil that nut. Was that a no-hitter or a perfect game? Whatever it was. Uh, that was a perfect game. Yeah. Him clapping as he's rounding first, being like, yeah, not in my fucking house. That's exactly what this team needed. Uh, and Hosmer just being like, people can say whatever they want about his bat. I know his effort level wasn't always the same in San Diego. If you look at the Padres, that doesn't seem to be a him problem. That seems to be an organizational pro- problem at this point. Um, he's just having another competent defender out there. And a guy who's not the worst. Like, people talk about him like he's hitting like 196. Like, he's perfectly average hitter at this point of his career. Like, he's not going to tear the cover off the ball. That was really never his thing, even when he was in Kansas City during the prime of his career. But he's fine. Like, he's a fine hitter. And at first base, I'll take a fine hitter at first base (laughs) for what we've been living with the last couple of years. That's a huge upgrade. So I'm, there's no reason, like, yeah, they can be, they can bitch and moan about February and March. Like, I I know Heim's getting put through the fucking ringer at this point of the season, and it was worse last month, but like, I don't think people understand how hard it is when you fizz, you literally cannot do your job because the league is not a league. You know what I mean? Like, this was a lockout earlier this year. Like, that was part of the process uh and it's it's it can't be easy to be like oh do i have my eye on tommy fam when you're trying to sign a trevor story you're trying to get arms for your rotation and bullpen you're trying to um the fuck else do we do you're you're dealing with uh extensions for the two faces of your franchise like i I can see how a tommy fan might have slipped through the cracks when you're trying to put this team together and let's also not forget we're talking about the the defense the fam's been fine defensively he was huge on that benintendi play uh that double just backing it up so it wasn't a triple but it's not like he's the most stout defender we can't just toss him in right we got verdugo out there that's hasn't been a problem yet i'm not like the most comfortable with him out there he's not the most comfortable admittedly he said on the the previous program of of yours jared like he he feels more comfortable than left so we'll see we'll see if this outfield defense which has been good durant's a little better lately we'll see uh kike is supposed to come back for this pittsburgh series so that should help as well um but yeah, I don't, I don't know that I, uh, that I'm, I'm knows Tommy Fam. He's he's acquired him before, so I don't know that it was. Then you weren't saying it was a shot, but I do think it was more like, yeah, man, I'm fucking thrilled to not be on the Reds anymore. Like this, this team, I can deal with. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're talking poverty franchise over there, and I agree, it is complicated. There are a lot of different holes. I think there were going to be holes on this Red Sox team, no matter what. Most right. teams do, and then you figure it out at the trade deadline. Like that's baseball. Anyone who's hoping you have a Perfect roster, 26 through 40 man with all this depth. That's just not reality. Um, but yeah, you have three left fielders playing in the outfield <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah. You're, you're, you're lucky you are where you are, where nothing has come back to bite you. Even though Jaron Duran thought he was going to climb the you know center field wall and catch that Andrew Benintendi ball yesterday. But he's been better. You throw Kike out there. It's a gold glove center fielder. Like You'll get by. I think the reality is, you know, I think baseball reference had them at like a 4.4% chance to make the playoffs. 
Those percentages really don't mean shit to me. They don't. Because as you saw in 2011 with the Red Sox, when they blew everything, they were as high as possible on those pro- like those probabilities. The truth is, they're going to play the Rays a bunch right now. The Rays are holding that third wild card. Beat them. Go and beat them, and you'll make up those four games. You can do it almost in a series. So if you're serious, if you feel like this team can actually put it together, if you can rally, and I think they've had a little bit of that feeling bad for themselves once again, which is, you know, I don't love it. It was there last year until they realized, oh, fuck, Kyle Schwarber can swing it, and he helped carry your asses to the postseason when a lot of you stopped hitting J.D. Martinez for the second year in a row. Um, You know, that's the stuff that people kind of, you know, you hope they rally behind because at the end of the day, yeah, it's a long shot, but you just want competitive baseball down the stretch. Give them a reason to feel good going into 2023 where it's not so miserable and it feels like everything's going downhill. Because the reality is it's not. It's just a lot of people being dramatic. It doesn't even feel like it's a long shot, like 4.4, whatever. Like, beat the beat the Pirates. Don't lose two out of three to the fucking Royals. Like, don't win the easy ones and then you, like, take two out of three, like, from the Rays. And so you'll make up, you can make up that ground in a lot of different ways. And that third wild card spot is probably why it doesn't feel like 2012, Jared, because if it were still just two, or was it even just one back in fucking 2012? Like I, that I, team was a 500 team on like the, the deadline day. Right. And I'm sure if they had more wild card spots back then, they wouldn't have felt as dead. Like there's all you got to do is get in. You get in and you got guys healthy. We'll see if Paxton makes an appearance in September. That would, if that's another. All, right now, all it is. Wasn't he supposed as- to be here by now, though? Yeah, it was. He w- he should have been here. Probably they were all overly optimistic. It felt like going into the season, and then he had one setback around the time Sale got that whole health setback. But you know, he's thrown a couple sim games. They don't really know how they're going to plan out his rehab yet. But I think we're going to see him in September. I-, I I bet we get a couple. Depending on how stretched out he is, I bet we see a starter too. Yeah, and even if it's not him, if Bayo comes back, I have no idea if he's been shut down for the rest of the year or not. No, he he tossed in double A today. He had like six strikeouts in a little over four innings or something. Great, get Bayo back. Like it's at this point, every all every bit of news this season up to this point's been like, oh man, did you hear about Chris Sale got mauled by a bear? Like every bit of news has been the worst bit of news you've ever heard. And it's starting to feel like that's turning a bit. Um, I don't know if Story's coming back. I've heard not a lot on him, but it's like, just keep adding. Kike and Ref Snyder are supposed to get activated. That's big. Darwin's in as much as I, I, I love the potential. Him getting an option down to AAA for someone who can actually play baseball. That's big. It, it's, it's minor stuff like that. You, you keep stacking those on top of each other. All of a sudden, Cass is coming up probably next week. Like, these are the types of things where it's like, yeah, why would we just punt on this? Especially when it's so uncertain if people are going to be here long term. Why would you punt the rest of this year when you're still in the hunt as unrealistic? I'm not saying like, oh, this team can win the World Series, but it's like they were supposed to beat the Rays last year. They handled them pretty easily. They were up and it looked like they were going to walk to the World Series against the Astros. I don't know that they have to do anything crazy other than get healthy to be in those conversations. When we looked at this team at the top of the year, it's like, yeah, one through six, they're really deep. We just needed one of the seven, eight, nine guys to figure it the fuck out. We're still waiting on that. But all of a sudden, one of those seven is Eric Hosmer instead of Bob all the time. That's a big improvement. And 
Cassis is going to be in that mix. That's a wild card. We don't know. We think it's going to go well, but it's an unknown at this point. Kike coming back. That's big. Duran's been in that 8-9 spot. Now, all of a sudden, it's Kike. He's more professional hitter. He's more seasoned. It's just going to get harder for people to stack outs like they have. There have just been so many dead innings this year. We start getting rid of those, especially as we get closer to September, closer to October. People won't want to play this team. Like, Evaldi's healthy. Walk has been incredible this year. I don't, I don't know that people are going to be like lining up to want to play the Boston Red Sox if if they can figure it out. And the biggest thing to me from this weekend, Xander gets picked off on a play that I still can't believe wasn't a balk. Can't believe it. Watched it from every angle to because I was certain there was a balk there. There wasn't. It was actually an incredible play by Chapman. He gets picked off. Kind of lost them the game. And then tonight drives in a run like. Uh, Devers, who had what was the exit velo on that uh, dribbler, like one thirty-five, something like that. <laughs> and then tonight he puts one of the fucking seats in right field, like long over. It felt like it's been a while since we've seen one of those. And it's like, yeah, I like seeing those guys specifically have not their best moments twenty-four hours ago, and then come back and essentially win them the game the next day. Like that kind of stuff. If this team truly quit, that we wouldn't see that. No, and I, I think that's the reason you should feel somewhat optimistic. It's that hey, they won a series without their engine really, you know, cooking. Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts. You know, obviously, nice moment for Devers in this last game of the series. J.D. with a couple hits in the first game. But, you know, they're not full go. They've been struggling for most of August. For you to be able to take two out of three from the Yankees, one of the better, you know, one of the best teams in baseball so far this year. Okay. Well, no, pitching is never not going to be like this all the time. But if the offense can get hot, if you can get those three guys to heat up at the same time and you just don't have all these holes in your lineup, you're going to hit. The pitching is going to be a problem. You're going to have to battle that. That will be what you try to keep your head above water with. No Tanner Houck. It's still not getting talked about enough what that's going to do to this pitching staff. Fingers crossed they don't kill Schreiber. I'm very concerned about him. You're pushing him for six out saves regularly and just hoping something good happens and he can get by. Like, couldn't be upset about him on Saturday. Outside of them, there's just not a lot of dependable options. And I like Cutter Crawford. I like Michael Waka. Nate still feels like he's not all the way there. Um, and then you got Rich Hill starting a game this week. Uh, and Pavetta has been Pavetta. You need the starters to step up. They really need to kind of put it together. And even if they do step up, it's still going to be a heavy workload for the bullpen. You just, you got to find guys. You got to, and I think that's why you should hopefully see them start to get in, you know, Zach Kelly from AAA or whatever it may be and filter him through. But there's enough talent on this team for them to compete. July is, you have fucking Jeter Downs and Yomer Sanchez playing for you every single day. It won't be that bad again. The Yomer was, that was tough, but. It's 2012, right? That's 2012. Like, that's the shit. I'm watching Moro Gomez. Like, that's the shit you're looking at. Even, even like, Nate, because I saw a lot of people talking about, like, his velocity is not where it should be and this and that. Like, what do you do? Six, two earned against the Yankees on Friday? Like, I'll take, take that. that. And that this is where it's like we're talking about the Rays and stuff. Red Sox are six and two against first place teams their last eight games. Took two out of three from the Yankees. Took two out of three from the Astros won the last two of the last Yankees series. Like they're that's my biggest concern. When they do that, then they get three out of four taken from from the Royals. Are they just going to play to their competition the rest of the way out? Because that would be a waste. That would be a shame. If they're gonna if they're gonna go into Pittsburgh and drop two out of three, 
then the, this whole weekend was for not. It was a waste of fucking time. So I hope they can see, like, oh, man, yeah, like, let O'Neill Cruz hit one dinger a game and we win 5-1 every night. That would be great. That's I think everyone would be happy with that. I think the biggest takeaway from all that is that, like, you're not – you haven't given up on this team. I want to. They won't – like, every time I wa- – I said it when you had me called the other day, like, yeah. I, when I was giving my prediction, I was like, I don't know if I want them to start tanking yet because it, it's for sure should be thought about. Um, and I was talking about it on, on Twitter during the game today. I was saying like a successful offseason for this Red Sox team is largely just re-signing a lot of their own players. And people were furious because I don't think, A, I don't think a lot of people have really looked at this free agent class and how dog shit it is. Like, it's not a good free agent. This is not the winner to be like thick patching holes all in. free agents. It's, it's yeah. bad. We've got a lot of holes and we're plugging them with this class. Yeah, that's not like if that's what people want, if they want, like, we'll multiply like the Hanley Pablo offseason by 10 if you're giving out multiple big contracts this winter. Now, I actually like that for Heim since it is dog shit. He can kind of, he likes to sniff through the trash and find some gems. Um, he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll stumble upon a Matt Andres every now and then, but every, all the rest of them are pretty much uh, diamonds. So that's, I think that's an advantage for us, but hold on. Big piece was a fucking stud for like a month and a half. <laughs> they murdered him before they murdered Matt Barnes. They murdered Matt Andres. He was the first body they caught that year. But I like if they, if they come out of this and I'm not saying this is they should re-sign their own players and then kick their feet up. Obviously, there are other holes to fill. But if you re-sign Xander, if you re-sign Evaldi, you re-sign Waka, and you give Devers an extension, that's a fucking pretty hot start to the offseason. Like, but people are like, that's bad. No, just because this team you don't love, don't get rid of the good players. That's not a recipe for success. Yeah, there are bad players on this team. They have to be replaced. Don't get rid of the the good ones. Don't cut off your nose to spite your face. That's fucking stupid. I, I think, Coley, like what you're saying is really going back to where we were at the beginning of the year where there was a reason a lot of us felt good about this team and where they were going. There, there were some holes. We all knew there were some holes. But ultimately, you know, we knew what April was where, you know, Chris Sale going down played a big part in their whole pitching plan falling apart. Doesn't get talked about enough. Their plan was to have Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck in the bullpen. That's what it was. They were going to let Whitlock try, you know, and Houck stretch out a little bit in spring training. But that was the ultimate plan. Once Houck got kicked to the rotation, it threw everything for a whirl. If you can go into next year without all these different pieces falling in front of you, without Josh Taylor falling off the back of a truck, and we haven't, you know, even heard from him this year. He just finally threw his sim game again. Like, if you can play those parts back in a little bit better roster construction with a Tommy Pham, or maybe it was Eric Hosmer, you know, Tristan Cass's next year, filling those holes, there's plenty of reason to feel really good and think the Red Sox can compete with any team in this division. Um, it's just been a year where, yeah, there was misses by Heim, but also a lot of bad breaks. A lot of things went the worst way possible for you this year, whether it yeah. was injuries, some underperformance from certain guys, uh, you know, Verdugo be one of the unluckiest hitters in baseball, really from mid-April to, you know, the end of May. He's now been one of the best hitters on your team since June 1st. It's a 129 weighted runs created plus. A lot of things haven't broke your way this year, and I think that's why the Red Sox should feel you know, like they have a shot down the stretch here. Uh, and then you erase some of the clubhouse questions as well. I think there's some fat on this roster. No offense to JD. 
Thank you. Uh, you know, like I, I'm very upset with JD Martinez overall right now. I'm not upset um, with him. It's just like we gotta alter expect. Like he doesn't have the power for whatever reason. He doesn't have it. That doesn't mean he can't be an effective tool in this lineup. And we've seen it a couple games over the last like week plus where he's just drilling singles. I know that's not what any of us we none of us wanted him to go from Adam Dunn to Sean Casey, but if that's what we have on our hands at the time. I think Cora was right. Let's drop him down a little bit. And it's yeah, like, we can, we can still, am I ready to re-sign him after the season? No, I think it's probably time to move on. But is can he be a, an effective tool the rest of the way out? I think so. And that's what you got to hope, that he can do that with the singles. Just the reality is he hasn't been doing that. You know, it's nice sure. to see it the last couple of games, um, you know, three hits. He knocked in those two runs on Friday. So, yeah. like, props to him for playing a role in that. Um it's just, it's such a, you know, dating back to really June 1st, he's been well below league average as a hitter, you know, nowhere near where he needs to be. I think it's fair to question whether that should have been one of the pieces you're forced out the door at the deadline. Um, but, it, you know, J.D. Martinez, if this Red Sox team is going to go where, you know, make a run or whatever it may be, he's going to have to be a big part of it. That's just the reality of it. Definitely. I just worry and it goes back to a lot of my Kyle Schwarber concerns during the offseason. I know I talked about it when we first did the podcast, but. You know, I, I was in favor of shopping JD and looking to see what you could have gone that road if you brought back Schwarber. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm very worried about him. I, I don't know if we'll ever see anything that resembles, you know, the JD Martinez of even 2019. Because if let's be real, you go back to 2020, he, he didn't show up for two months. Like that's just what it was. It was a weird year. 2021. Yeah, he showed up at the beginning of the year and completely tailed off, you know, in the middle of the season towards the end. Showed up in I mean, the postseason. Yeah, which, he started, which I mean, was he nice. The fucking Grand Slam in Houston. But like with this year, too, with JD, I mean, there was there was that stretch where everything that he fucking put the bat on was falling in. He was hitting like 370. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the fall off, I, I yeah, I, the whole thing with JD is when you look at the free agent class that Coley was just talking about, can you do better? Like, what are you going to do with that DH spot? You know what they're going to do. And I do. get that you can't bring back everyone. You know, like Nate, yup. Bogey, yup. Uh, Devers will obviously be here regardless. Not a free agent. We hope. But, you know, you can check that box. But in terms of a DH, like, what are you going to do? I wouldn't be surprised. I think Heim wants some versatility there. I think JD not playing any outfield this year. That's something they talked about during the offseason. They were expecting him to play the outfield uh, Mm -hmm. a fair decent amount, which, listen, I don't want JD out there, but that's how they wanted the roster flexibility to be. And I think just where his health has been this year hasn't allowed you to do that. Um, I think the QO is a real question right now for JD Martinez. If you're like, I can't give that to him. I can't give him 19 to 20 million for a year right now. Um, So do they question what to do with Bob. Is it a conversation with Hosmer and Cassis? Like, do we split you guys up and go about it differently? Or do you go get another bat and try to mix and match and play the splits there? Um, I mean, if you're going to, because they were talking about uh, about fucking DHing Hosmer. Hosmer is not a DH. Like, if you're going to DH in that, I guess like you would fucking DH Cassis. Yeah, it's not ideal, but by no means. I think Hosmer is most likely going to be dealt during the offseason. You got the contract. It's worth nothing. So, you know, Shot. do you need a league average player? Take it. I'd be shocked um, if he was dealt. You, you'd be surprised if someone actually picked him up, goalie. It's it's more like Heim, like what's he going to get for him? I get his contract. He's got nothing on it. 
but it's also like I think people are just so down on his overall talent. Does he still have no trade, or since he was traded, does that go away? I, I think th- it was a limited no trade. No, I know it was yeah. limited in the first place, but even if it still exists, that also just cuts down the amount of people you can trade him to. Plus, him and Cassis do have a, a relationship, and I think if you're trying to, like, if if Cassis is this cornerstone player that you're about to drop i don't know why you'd want to get rid of someone who could potentially help him a ton um i think i think we are looking at basically three first basemen on the roster next year two of them are playing every day the other one is playing like tyler was just saying on splits i think that's probably why bob's still here because his value couldn't be lower but also i still think they look at his peripherals and they're like there's still something here if we could ever hit tap, lefties. Yeah, if we could ever tap into this on a more consistent basis, put him only in situations we know he's successful in, I think you're going to see Hosmer, Cassis, and Bob kind of as this three-man rotation next year. One of Hosmer most likely playing first, kind of always, and then Cassis and Bob. until Unless Cassis becomes just like, oh, we've got another Devers here. He's got to play every day, and then it's Bob and Hosmer switching off. Once Cassis takes over, offensively then it will become a switch between the other two but until that point him and bob i think are splitting that dh spot or they're going to use it as like a, a fake off day for people throughout the like story i could see dh in a lot um is their way to try although he got fucking hurt swinging the bat maybe he should be a, a defensive only player he doesn't get a bat <laughs> i think he's getting ready for a rehab assignment soon that'd be yeah. great from what i saw he's going to be taking bp when they get to pittsburgh and they'll go from there. We'll see. You know, I, no offense to the Red Sox medical staff this year. I don't trust a fucking thing out of their mouth. I'm not putting, I'm not putting story on them. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, it, 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 oh, Jer- oh, interesting. It, it did take them a while to find that uh, fracture. He was trying to swing and swing. Uh, but there's been a bunch of times this year where Matt Strom was supposed to, you know, not even need an IL stint. And then like. It's what? Obviously, he's had a setback with the oblique. It's August 15th. Originally, with Story, they were like, you're good to go. No, no, no. Was no. not good to go. The, then they discovered the fracture after that. Um, so, I mean, it's been frustrating, obviously, for him. But, uh, yeah, that was not something that was discovered immediately. So, yeah, that medical staff, not. I was more not having the best. I'm not putting Story yeah. on them because he's been hurt every year for the last four years that's why i was saying. but that wasn't his that wasn't his fault that he got hit with a fucking pitch I, it was a thousand percent he swung yeah the pitch that was going in his I, face I, I, I will side with coley like that was horrendous like what he wasn't about to be a walk or whatever it was too and he still swung at that pitch uh that that was a rough that was a rough moment i mean me. i thought he shattered um, his arm like entirely so i the, even if the, the the medical team missed something initially like i'm i was just happy it wasn't as bad as it looked live yeah i think really with the whole first base situation it's interesting too and this is one of the weird not problems i have but it, the roster building it's like Delbeck smashes lefties, Hosmer's reverse splits. Yeah. So, like, they don't exactly match up super well either. They're going to have to figure out that log jam some way going forward. But if this is what JD is, where he's really no longer a power bat, no offense to him, he's basically Eric Hosmer. 
Like if we're talking what JD's really hitting this year, he's been a little better. It's like what a one fifteen OPS plus or right around that. Hosmer was like one oh eight when he got here. So like we're we're talking the same area. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I feel like the Red Sox are a big thing this offseason is going to be like flexibility for better or for worse with that lineup and. It, but it's going to bite you in the ass in certain spots. You'll see some of those weird moments where guys are out of position. But I don't know. I think they're going to want this roster to be able to do and bend in different ways throughout the course of a year. And I just don't think they've had a lot of that this year. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hey, uh, I feel like it's it, it's one of those things that uh, we're all sitting here as fans being like, how the fuck are we in this position? And then eventually we get to a point where it's like, oh, they had a plan. Everyone's talking about like free agency and like guys that you have to extend. The Red Sox can make trades. Like, I don't know if uh, a lot of people are uh, under the impression that they cannot do that. I don't know if they have something in mind. Sean Murphy. I, don't, I mean, people are talking about that at the deadline. Um, okay. I'm still talking about the A's it. Catcher? You're still talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I wanted I don't know. just to have like a competent outfielder. <laughs> like I don't wouldn't hate that. I, I, don't, I don't care about piece. Uh, give him the steroids again too. As He's far not as that I'm good. concerned, like I juice He's him up, get him on that Tatis uh, ring dewormer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, that that's kind of w- what I'm uh, arriving on. Is they have to have a plan. They have to have a plan. One was they, they, Yeah. You can't just be like, all right, uh, we're going to try and bring back Nate Evaldi and um, not even JD. Who am I? Xander. Oh, Bogarts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Xander and call it a fucking off season. Like you're not going to go do that. Grab a couple scrap heap relievers like, like you've done in the past. Uh, there has to be some sort of like, you gotta. I'm not saying you gotta go for it, go for it, but there has to be some move this off season that makes, I guess, fans and media alike go like, "Oh, okay, all yeah. right." Like, uh, I see you. I, I think we'll see that. I, I think that move. And listen, I know Sean Murphy. I like Sean Murphy a lot. They were looking for that move at the deadline. They just. Couldn't get it. They couldn't find it. Uh, Sean Murphy was going to cost way too much. They they wanted two out of three of your top three. You're not going to do that right now. Um, You'll see, you know, it's probably not going to be Sean Murphy, but another piece. They're looking for some kind of controllable impact part. I think a foundation piece. Just they're not Heim. The big thing about him so far, he needs to win the deal. It's a little Danny Ainge-esque, in my opinion, where he really wants to kind of rob a team or at least at the front of it feel like he's outsmarting them or looks smarter than them. Um, and, you know, he's had times when he's done it. He has, he's had times when he hasn't so far. Um, but I, I think there will be a move of that or something like that we see during the offseason where it's like, oh, all right, like that guy's going to be here for the next three or four years and he's part of the core we view for this team i'd I'd love to know if they put in a claim on friend mill i I was praying i I wanted that so damn bad where did he end up college chicago already hit a homer for him too like it it sucked too because it was like how would you make it work in the outfield but if you're talking about having a guy who you could say all right this will be our dh right yeah he's had one bad year mash multiple years in a row in cleveland uh and i guarantee he's gonna mash you know now that he's in with chicago with team control um that's the kind of piece you kind of hope you could cling to 
Uh, and it'd be a little bit of a reclamation project based on where he's at, but those are the pieces they need. They, they need controllable guys. And I think that's why the Hunter Renfro thing gets so many people frustrated because that's a guy you could have had, people, you know, for this year and beyond. The revisionist history of Red Sox fans, and it's every fan base, but I only care about one. The revisionist history, I've seen more people being like, whoa, man, why did we ever trade Benintendi? Oh, man. Like, oh, spare me. Hunter Renfro, people wanted him DFA'd in the middle of the playoffs last year. I've never That's seen true. someone more ready to leave than Hunter Renfro. He did his one year here and he was like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> he had his bags packed before the playoffs started. That's not a, a fun thing to say. That's a fact. He had his bags, his apartment packed up before the playoffs started. Like, cause he thought we were losing to the Yankees. And it was evident in how he played. I liked Hunter Renfro. I liked when he overthrew his cutoffs every fucking time. Cause it's exciting. That's why that's why I love Jackie. He was gonna uncork it every single time. I don't need fundamentals during the regular season. That's for the playoffs. Hunter Renfro was great for what he was. He's another Cody Ross in the history of the Red Sox. To act like he was some foundational piece that the Red Sox are missing and will never have again is insanity. And the Red Sox fans, who the same ones who were in my mentions during the playoffs, saying that he needed to be DFA'd, he could not make the next round roster, now begging and begging for him to be fired because he traded him to deepen our <laughs> our our fucking prospect uh, list. Get the fuck out of my face! Like I, Hunter Renfro's good. It didn't feel great when he was launching homers against us two weeks ago when the Brewers were in town. But to act like that's why this all fell apart is insane. Fuck no. And like, that's the big thing. When it comes to Hunter Renfro, should you be upset at what the trade looks like? Yes. Was replacing him supposed to be that hard? No. They just didn't do anything to replace him. So it felt like it was that big of a gap. If they went and got Tommy Pham, you wouldn't be sitting here crying about Hunter Renfro. No, and it it Uh, looked so perfect. The time like that, that was the last move done in baseball before the lockout, right? Yeah, it was legit. What eleven fifty that night? Yeah, because we were it was. recording and we were like, oh, we were mid podcast, and we got Benellis on the show five <laughs> minutes later, and it was like, yeah, this and Benellis to his credit has been good this year. I like David Hamilton. I understand why he's not going to be an MLB player, but I think he's fun. Um, and it's all about like I think people forget, and I know it's it's Boston, so it's not. It can't be what you lead with. But what happened to our farm system and before Hines? It was decimated. And I understand a lot, like some of the top guys right now, he really didn't have much to do with. But there is a Ben Charrington factor to this too, where it's like, if you're not trading Xander and who else was in the Matt Harvey deal? It was like Xander and someone else that's really fucking good. Bogarts. Mm. I mean, uh, it, was, it was Bogarts and like Mookie. Right. Yeah. Mookie. That's it. That guy. Like not doing <laughs> those moves is as good as getting those guys in the first place. If you're going to, like, that's why I think you don't trade JD at the deadline. If you're truly getting nothing for him, like, why just hold him? Just hold him for the rest of the year. I, not making trades sometimes is as good as making trades. Yeah, the, the Cole Hamels package. <laughs> Blake Swihart. Uh, they wanted Henry Mookie, Owens. too. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted the and, and we did like a, a few episodes ago about what the Marlins wanted for Jose Fernandez. It was like they wanted like Eddie fucking uh, Mookie. It was basically like every every player that was part of the the 2018 core they wanted for Jose Fernandez. 
I think that was still would have been great. I think that was fair of them for asking, considering like how dominant Jose Fernandez was. I guess I'm going to find it. And right I've now. talked to Jared. Uh, I haven't said it publicly yet, but there is, there is a move. I think that the Red Sox could potentially make this off season that I, I'm dreading, dreading. It, before you say this, uh, it was Eduardo Rodriguez, Mookie Betts, Christian Vasquez, Yuan Moncada, and another pitcher. So let's just call that Erod, Mookie, Vasquez, and Sale for Jose Fernandez. That was probably a good one to not make. Only because of Mookie. I mean, you don't win a World Series in, I feel in like 2018 if, okay if you trade. If, if you have Fernandez there. And then this one, uh, so that they were on MLB Network. It was one of those, oh, John Heyman's mock trade proposal for Jose Fernandez. Uh, the Marlins acquire Eduardo Rodriguez, Anderson Espinosa, Juan Moncada, and Rafael Devers. Yeah, Red tough. Sox acquire Jose Fernandez. That's tough. Again, it's all you just gotta take one of those guys out, and it's a great trade. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely live with the rest of it, minus Devers not being in there. Correct. Well, there's two things that concern me when we talk about roster building. One of them is well, is ownership going to keep Heim in metal? And what he's doing, like he has a plan and it gets a little derailed by ownership wanting to make a splash of some sort that doesn't necessarily line up with his vision. Pablo Hanley 20, you know, with Ben Charrington, put the pressure on him, go spend money to bail yourself out. Right. And it's like that kind of stuff. It's like, do they do that with, are they like, all right, let's spend twice as much for Trey Turner than Xander, something along those lines. And Trey Turner's a fine player, but it's like we can say it all the time until you do it in Boston. Like I, I really don't believe it. Um, what? I can hear people fighting outside my window right now. Okay. I thought you had some. I th- thought you were offended by my pretty milk toast Trey Turner take. Um, no. The thing that terrifies me the most about this offseason, I texted it to Jared. I think he sees the vision. Is them just outbidding the the. The poverty Yankees for Aaron Judge, and that would Ugh. that would sicken me. Because I think They're it's not real. Like, it, there's a fit. There's a need. I, I don't think it's like that. Out of the, the we know the Yankee. The, I don't understand Yankee fans who want him to win MVP. That's just pricing him out of New York more. Like if not the city of New York, because the Mets will pay. But the Yankee, I see no way the Yankees give him what he wants. None. So. so- in this world, Coley, do they choose not to pay Rafael Devers, or are they looking at Judge Devers as their? Yeah, I think they don't pay Xander in this scenario. Interesting. That that'd be two three hundred million dollar contracts probably on the books. You know, like right. you're getting up there. Um, I don't know. I, I think Judge will be. In, I think you'll see them attached to him. I think you'll see the price go up. But like. I don't know. It feels like a lot of those things that would push you away, at least in Heim Bloom's mind. It'd have to be ownership that right, would that's force exactly them to make a deal be. like that. That's exactly Yeah, because it it's it's not Heim, but just like Ben Charrington, Ben Charrington wasn't Hanley and Pablo Sandoval past their primes and right. hoping those guys are going to carry your franchise. Like You have a guy in Xander Bogart who I think, personally, his market's going to surprise him a little bit. I think it's going to be less than him and Scott Boris initially thought coming into the year. 
Um, because I listen, the defense has been better this year. I give him a lot of credit. He, in terms of ground balls, has been the luckiest hitter in all of baseball this year. Uh, the power has declined for the fourth year in a row. Um, I like Xander Bogarts a lot. I'm curious. Maybe there's a poverty franchise out there that pushes you a little bit for him. Um, but I don't think he's going to have the exact market a lot of people thought he was going to have. I think he's going to settle in right around 26 to 27 AAV. Um, and more in the Red Sox won't look as crazy um, in terms of what they kind of evaluated him as for one year in terms of what the price could be. Obviously, the offer they gave him was insulting because it was just an extra year tagged on. Um, but I think they're going to end up getting him at a better price than if they tried to pay him the previous offseason. For sure. And again, like they're they're going to use it against him, the fact that he still wants to be here. And, uh, and I love Xander in... One of the things I love about him is he'll bend the knee because of that. Like sure. the Red Sox know they have his heartstrings. Yeah. And and again, to your point, if if the market isn't what Scott Boris had anticipated, I mean, if you're not going to, he's obviously going to use Carlos Correa as the benchmark. They'd be like, yeah, like let's get between 32 and 35. And then teams are going to be like, how about, how about 22? <laughs> you know, like it is what it is. Uh, I, I honestly, I think Xander will be back. Um, I'm not going to say take that to the bank, but my gut feeling is that Xander is back. I don't think that we're going to look at his contract and say, wow, they really fucking bent him over a barrel there. Like he got a shit deal. I think it's going to be like, yeah, that makes sense. Given where things are at right now, that makes sense. They didn't overpay. It's like right in the wheelhouse of, of what we were expecting. Um, I just think based on like, before the season where the you know Boris was throwing around Seeger and he was throwing around Carlos Correa, you're not getting 35. Uh, I'm sorry, no. Xander. You're not getting 35. No. Uh, I'd be surprised. I think if he goes to a poverty franchise, maybe he could get 30. But it, I, it's still, that would surprise me. bad free aging class. And all it takes is one team. Like, all it takes it, is the Arizona Diamondbacks to be like, we got 40 mil a year for you. Like, that's all it takes. So, like, I yeah. am. I would have before the season and still right this second, I'd offer him five one fifty, and I think he'd take it. Agreed. Agreed. I, I'd go five one fifty. I'd be willing to go six with a slightly less AAV and have that conversation. It's just when you do look at the shortstops, there's names like you got the Trey Turner, another guy who's right up there, Dansby Swanson. It's really probably the deeper part of it. I'm not a Dansby Swanson's fine, but in terms of the year he's having, he's having a great year. Uh, so Dansby, Trey Turner, and then Carlos Correa probably. Isn't Anderson a free agent too? Or can he opt might be. Out? Can opt, uh, that's like three of them can opt out and they all obviously will. Uh, oh, that's my biggest thing. Like you're going to oh, Trey Turner, I think we all agree, is going to cost more than Xander. So you're going to pay yes. more for someone you can only assume is an upgrade. He's been playing short for the Dodgers this year, right? Yeah. Okay. So he's got, I believe, the fourth worst outs above average in baseball. So he, you're, you're going backwards in defense and Xander's defense has always been harped on because in the regular season he's like I'm too cool to try and then in the postseason he does shit like last year where he's doing perfect relays throwing people out at home and making t-shirts to wear the next day to show it rub it in your face like yeah I'm actually really good at this um I don't Dansby Swanson I'd be fear at that point I'd be like let's just play Jeter Downs and save the money like I prefer <laughs> I genuinely prefer bring up Matthew Lugo have him go, I don't care. <laughs> like just just start Meyer what's what's the worst that's gonna happen if you, I'd rather start Jeez. Meyer 
And Dansby Swanson's fine. He's fine. If that's where you're putting your money rather than paying Xander, just play Meyer. Put Raphael yeah, back at short. Like, those are better <laughs> options. That's the thing. It's just you have the money coming off the books. Like, there's really just no excuse. There's sure. none overall. David Price's money is coming off the books. You don't have to pay J.D. Martinez. Like, you have some starters now. Garrett Whitlock, super team friendly. Cutter Crawford looks like he's a back-end big league starter. Definitely. You know, it's got to see a little bit more from him, obviously. But, you know, you're going to be saving money in other spots here. There's no need to cheap out on the guy that's the leader in your clubhouse. And, you know, I kind of did want to hear your guys' thoughts on him not talking to the media after Saturday night. Um, but I don't know. It, it just, if you're going to go pay Trey Turner or Dansby Swanson, like definition of overthinking when you have the solution right in front of you and it actually gives you, like, Xander may regress to some degree. Maybe he's never not the power hitter he once was, uh, you know, in those court, in those big 2018, 2019 years. But we've seen Xander Bogarts live the way he's living and be a very good hitter. Early in his career, that's how we got by. Even this year, ranked against other shortstops, he's still top he's up five there in with everybody. most categories. Like, yeah, I, don't I, I think OPS plus, he's like top three, maybe right. top two. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, if the power's not there, the power's not there. Maybe he's been getting lucky on ground balls still. Xander Bogarts is going to hit. He, he's not going to fall off the face of the earth in that sense. Maybe he's not your true middle of the order bat. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be a key bat for you for, you know, still another three, four, five years minimum. And once he gets once he gets this contract, and I've, I've been saying this for two years now, once he gets this next contract, you'll hear his tone change drastically on like where he plays defensively. He wants to get paid like a top shortstop. If you move him before his contract, he knows he won't get that. He's not going to take 18 million a year to be a corner outfielder like he. Give him his money and then he'll move. Like you don't have to overthink this too much. And and it came out during the offseason that he was willing to move. Right. People forget that. He want he wanted to stay at short for a year or two, whatever. Get your deal. He's earned that right. Uh and he's played this year and handled shortstop just fine. But he will move. In you know, can Trevor Story play shortstop? Fair conversation. You know, you, you can question that based on where his arm is at at this point. But Xander Bogarts, I think, could give you still quality shortstop. I think her story easily could be the best defensive second baseman in baseball. I used to think Bogarts was at his limit at shortstop maybe a year more. I think he could play at least two more after this yeah, year. Yeah, I think you could bridge him directly to Meyer. I think you can draw a, a straight line. And I think... And, and you could tell... <laughs> go ahead. No, and then you could tell Xander, Coley, you're 100% right. It's like, Meyer's gone to high A. I, he's special. He's a specialist, special get. I'd be shocked if we're not seeing him pushing out a double A by the end of next year. Knocking on the door to AAA. Hey, Xander, let's do this for a couple of years. Then we have a conversation whether who knows where Devers is at at that point in his career. Right. DH or Xander, you become the DH. But you have that flexibility. And that all goes circles us all the way back to the DH conversation. I think they're going to keep it flexible there so they can have that kind of flexibility in the coming years and let these bats and other pieces be able to move around. And then you don't have Xander Bogarts, who's been run down year after year. Rafael Devers, who got run down at the end of last year, it helps you preserve all of these guys, Trevor Story included. And I, if if Trevor Story wants to look real big picture, he's got an outside shot at the Hall of Fame if he stays at second this whole contract. Like, uh, it's the gray ink. It's not crazy. The gray ink, the black ink, isn't agreeing with it at this moment. But he stays with short at second these next couple of years. He's looking at one of the 
like stacks a couple gold gloves at second. Like it's not out of the conversation. Him going back to shortstop, fucking with his arm more, being on the, the IL all year. Like that's not going to do it. And like, that's the last thing I want with Trevor Story. I want this year is this year. We'll see what he gives you down the stretch. You know, he's coming off another injury. Timing's probably even more fucked than it was when he was playing. Reset, come back next year. Let him keep playing second base where he's probably the best defender at second base in all of baseball. Let him go. Just let him take flight. He will get back to at least being a, you know, he was going to be. Let's be real. At least uh, he was at 15 home runs already. He was going to get close to 30 jacks this year and steal 20 bags easily. Like, if you're telling me his floor is 30-20, and that's where we're at with gold glove defense, trust me, I'm fine betting on Trevor Story going forward and him being a key piece on this team. What's up, Jake? How are we doing, Jared? I'm doing pretty good. Same. I was I was just I was like basically sitting here like listening to a podcast. I was like I'm, me and Coley, me and Coley were just having a moment there. We're connecting, hey, guys. You got I hey, I've already connected with you. I've already connected with Coley. This is your first time connecting with each other. I was just hey, I'm just sitting back. I'm a fan. It's a great. I'm pod. a fan of the the <laughs> the Tyler Miller McMahon show. Mm. As long as we can agree, stories arms cooked. We're gonna have plenty of <laughs> plenty of common ground to build off of. Tyler, do you have any questions for Coley? Uh in uh, hmm, that's a good question. Um, Coley, favorite prospect in the system right now? Not saying best. Oh. Who you think's number one? Who's your favorite? Raffaella. Is it Raffaella? Yeah, Raffaella is special. He's real special. Because I have Davis. concerns about him personally. He he would have been one of the prospects I would have heavily considered moving. Oh, no. Oh. No. I get it. I get it. He's undersized. I, I get it. People who immediately compared him to Mookie, I didn't need that to happen. Like, we no. shouldn't be doing that. So, Hell so no. just because it's like another short, darker fella, like, you can't just throw <laughs> that around that they were talking about the best homegrown player in team history. You can't just do that. Um, but my favorite guy in the system is is probably Big Joe Davis. Oh, okay. That's all the that's all I need to hear. Yeah, man and, of culture. And, I mean, we're talking DH, not a guy I expected really to be in these conversations. But if Nico Cavadas is going to do this at every fucking level, like there may be yeah. a spot on the big league roster. Like I, this guy, ever since he popped up at Notre Dame, like all he does is just hit tanks. Like it doesn't matter what level he's at. Obviously, I have a special affinity for Blaze Jordan uh, since I drafted him. And my favorite prospect who should be in the system is James Wood. Um, Kime just mm. completely ignored me when I told him to draft him. Uh, so that was pretty rude. Um, kind of just got traded straight up for Juan Soto, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, my overall favorite prospect. I don't know. I'm like, there's a couple of, um, like a couple of Dominican arms and real low, uh, mm-hmm. a like they always every time they pop up, I get super intrigued. Uh, I can't wait. For I think Pedro Miguel Blaze has been, yeah, Miguel Blaze has been the one. I, I yeah. think if you're talking about the guy who's gonna be the talk of the system in a year or two, holy shit! What people are saying about him down in the FCL five tools like. 
I'm digging through like TikTok videos of <laughs> he's been posting and like you're seeing a true freak, like yeah. freak, freak stuff. And like, I- I'll agree with you. Nico Cavadas, he's probably the name that's least talked about. And all he is, he's hit. He can't play the field. Even less athletic than Kyle Schwarber, if you can imagine it. <laughs> but this dude fucking rakes, yeah, just rakes, dominates. And he's got up to high eight, didn't skip a beat, hit and walk off jacks, not giving a single fuck. Those kind of profiles, a guy who can strictly just mash, says something. I, I like those guys because, you know, you see what happens when they get to double A. Some of them become similar to Alex Pinellas where, you know, they can't hit velocity right. and then you have that kind of question. But I don't know. Coley, as someone who's a big prospect guy, I have a lot of love for uh, your prospect knowledge. Ever, ever since, what was it, the Vasquez trade and Manuel uh, Valdez, like this oh. guy. This guy should be up here maybe next week. Like this. This guy. It's all crazy, though. Like, we're talking over a 1,000 OPS. He had another two RBIs today. It's like, th- I think he has three jacks since he got here. He, We probably will see him in September. We really, honestly. It, it, and that's the thing. I know people are sad about Christian Vasquez. I get it. You weren't going to give him a qualifying offer. They've been trying to trade him for multiple years. And do I think he can repeat this season? Probably not. Um, you know, and he's declined defensively in recent years. Am I sad about Christian Vasquez not being here? No, not really at this point. I know some of the players are pouting about it. I get it. They're friends with them. Was that the right move? It was. And I think they kind of traded him because they were like, he, he's probably the most re-signable out of everyone. They were looking at trading him if they truly did want to go re-sign him. And they are going to have to do something at catcher. I don't, mm-hmm. you can't go into next season but, with like Reese McGuire and Connor Wong. Like that can't be the idea. No, of I'll, course not. I'll but I think. If, if that's the plan. <laughs> I will call the Red Sox Tampa Bay North if that's what they're trying to do. But even Vasquez, he's not going to like, he's the only catcher on the market. He's not going to command a ton either. So, yeah, if he comes back here on a cheap deal, he's another one you pull up the strings and he'll probably come back. Right. Here. Yeah. And I honestly, I think yeah. it's, I think honestly, if you sign him first, Xander's price goes down. Agreed. Agreed. 100% agree. You get your little uh, flight buddy back right next to you. And, yeah. you know, maybe we stop complaining about the front office of the media. I also, um, I also hope people Jared, aren't down on Bayo just because his first couple of starts were rocky. I hope people aren't down on, like, the youngest pitcher we've had make a debut in, like, 20 years. The, the only people fucking bitching about Brian Bayo are the sports radio hosts who didn't know who he was before he debuted. Right. Uh, like, I, I work in radio. I'll tell you right now. None of these guys knew who he was before then. They saw him pitch a couple times and they think they know who he is. You have no clue. <laughs> like, this is out of Coley. You know, everybody here knows out of Red Sox pitching prospects. They haven't had anything in this regard since probably Clay Buckholds. And even that is you know, pushing it. So we're talking about a top 23 prospect in all of baseball for baseball America. They had one. He just wanted to fight in the Afghan war instead. Yeah. 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 Um, and then he like, asked to get out and they're like, eh, you're really uh, flying planes. Look, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that that waiver uh, finally gets figured out. It's been what? Three more months since the last update. So, oh, you know, we're in the same spot. But uh, Jared, did you meet Reese McGuire? I did. Can you I describe d- that to me? Sticky hands, yeah. Reese. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I met Reese McGuire on Friday. Um, I asked him how the transition was going. He said he liked it a lot. Uh, I asked him if he had a place yet. He doesn't. Um, and then I, I couldn't resist the urge, but I, I, I did could make he. a... Uh, that's true. I, I did make a masturbation joke on uh what was that? Friday when he he bunted. 
Mm-hmm. What a plan. And then I said something like he he got that down just like like his pants in a Dollar <laughs> Tree parking lot, which God. was it was it was mean. I didn't have to do that. Uh, especially after meeting him, I I felt regret after after sending the tweet. I didn't take it down though. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. Did they? Did but they, I didn't listen to the post game. Did anyone explain why that happened? Uh Cora why he masturbated in a parking lot. <laughs> yes. Well, that and that, that should be answered every game. Uh, why mm-hmm. he bunted and and no one moved. <laughs> Cora like basically was like, yeah, I don't really know, which made it sound like there was a miss sign there. It was what Arroyo a third, right? Yeah. Um, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Listen, Reese McGuire is hitting five hundred and throwing guys out. I'm enjoying it. Seven fifty. Hitting seven fifty. Yeah, I mean he he had four hits and five plate appearances in that series. That's even higher than seven fifty. No, it's not. Or no, I lied. I lied. Uh, he had three hits and four at bats, five plate appearances. So he walked. Er, no, he was he was three for four. I don't know what the fuck because he didn't walk. I can't remember how he got on base. He, oh, did did Chapman drill him? No, he hit Verdugo. Who did Chapman hit? Verdugo. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Hey, you got? Do you guys want a uh, blue moon? It's two a.m. I do. Yeah, Tyler's gonna need a fucking blue moon. We're in rough shape. Yeah, he's in real rough shape. And baseball and beer go hand in hand. And Blue Moon is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark first created at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. From the first pitch to extra innings, a blue moon guarantees a one of a side, a one of a kind beer experience every single time. Uh, I'll, I'm going to be drinking some blue moons tomorrow. We're probably going to have some blue moons on the stream on Tuesday. We didn't get to stream last week because we were doing. I think we did three episodes of this podcast, and so that was kind of like the content piece for the week. So blue moons on the stream. Can't wait for that. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian White is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes of, and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful, hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a Blue Moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Break out of your same old beer slump. A Blue Moon Belgian White is one-of-a-kind every single time, so get Blue Moon uh, Belgian white delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter, celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Uh, really quickly because uh, Coley's got to go to bed. Tyler's got to go to bed. Um, the Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. Mm-hmm. Red Sox just won a series. Mm-hmm. We got to drizzle that ketchup. Um, I'm not saying you guys have to vote for me. I'm not saying thank you. Don't feel pressured just because I'm here to vote for me. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people would. I feel like a lot of people would. I don't know if you guys are. Um, 
but I feel like if I'm ever gonna get it, this would be time. <laughs> if I were ever to be eligible, I feel like this is really the only time. So just take that into consideration before you submit your vote. I don't like that you're putting a ceiling um, on your potential. Mm. I don't know what else I could do to be worthy of Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. I don't know. You meet a lot of these guys on the field. Maybe you like take out Judge before like a playoff game or something. I like Judge. I forgot to mention that. Uh, he said hi to me and I wasn't expecting him to remember me. Yeah, this is part he said of hi to me on why Friday. he's coming here. Like he's become friends with you. I don't like it. He, he just cool. blocked John Boy though, didn't he? Again. He so hates the Yankee fans. Yeah, he said hi to me coming out. Uh, I saw Benny on Friday. I gave him a big hug. And I said, look what they did to my boy. <laughs> what did they do to you, Benny? Poor bastard. Uh, that's why you mentioned the Mike Mussina perfect game earlier. Is because I, I, I was talking to David Cohen for like 20 minutes. Guy's the fucking man. And he was pitching for the Red Sox against Mike Mussina in that game. And he was at that time the most recent perfect game thrown. I'm pretty sure that game was like two games before 9 11 or two days before 9 11. Um, Carl Everett breaks it up, two outs in the ninth. Benway goes wild. But all that to say, like, I'm pretty sure Aaron Judge is, he loves Boston. So. Let's see what happens. He has worn Red Sox here in the past. Loves Boston. Huge Red Sox fan. Um, I mean, he probably saw that first pitch and was like, bro, I gotta I gotta sign with the Sox. So I just I just don't think he's gonna stay with the Yankees for the for the fact that uh Juan Soto was very non-committal to the Padres in that press conference long term. You're gonna have the stand contract, the Cole contract, then you're going to get, would you rather have Judge in his 30s on a big deal, or would you rather have Soto at 25? I still think that they want Soto bad. I think that they're choosing 25-year-old Soto over 32-year-old Judge by that time. That's just my theory. That being said, who's voting for me? Tyler? I'm sorry. Okay. You can go around, maybe, Jake or Coley. I'm going to give you some time to think about it. Coley? So, for me, it's between a couple guys that it usually is. Um, I know, um, oh, what's her name from Showgirls? Jordan. Um, she threw out a first pitch the other night. Wish I remembered her name. Who? Hers Jennifer was, Hudson? Yeah, Jennifer Hudson. Thank you. Yeah, she had the best. <laughs> Why do I know that? Again. You're a big showgirls guy. Um, I love showgirls. So, yeah. Hudson's in there. She just had a real presence on the mound that you don't see from a lot of first pitch throwers. Right. Um, I feel like Whitlock's going to be in the conversation for both wins. He was a huge part of. Um. So I, I got Whitlock in there, but as with all things, it usually comes back to the face of the franchise, Tommy Pham. 
scored in both wins, did his damnedest to to win that middle game as well. He did his job in the ninth. Uh, the walk-off on Friday scored twice tonight. Two of the three. Yeah, Bogarts. Tonight. Yeah, Bogarts RBI and Devers Homer. Yeah. It, to me, it has to be Tommy Pham. Okay. Tommy Pham would also be my pick as well. Jake? I mean, Garrett Willock, <coughs> Garrett Willock deserves very much extreme consideration. Did he get six outs the other night? Mm-hmm. Yep, he got the yeah. win for that game. He he sandwiched a series, and not to say that you didn't do much, but <laughs> but I mean Garrett, what what a performance from Garrett this series. Tommy Pham was my second pick. It's it really it's between Garrett and Tommy. But at the end of the day, I think I got to go with Jared. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. Thank you, Jake. So you that's can't. at least a, that's a ketchup packet for me. Uh, you can't pack. vote for yourself, right, Jared? Yeah, of course I can. It's like the president. The president can vote for himself, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to vote for yourself. president. Concerning. Mm. So what, ha- what happens if I vote for me? Do you want to be that guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard they were actually considering uh, renaming the Jimmy Fund, the Jared Fund, for everything you went through. I mean, a lot of people would say that. Mm-hmm. When you brought up the terminal illnesses, it really kind of brought it all together. Yeah. I know. Do you With feel like said, if you... Do you so feel, feel like, like you're what? taking away? Do you feel like you're taking away from anyone? If I, I didn't officially vote for myself yet. Like I thought about Julio for for that hit to tie it. Um, Tommy Pham getting heavy consideration. Uh, Michael Walker deserves consideration. His name has not been mentioned yet in this in this discussion. Um, but at the end of the day, there's no Michael Walker without me. <laughs> and, I, and at this juncture, it would be very hard to debate that. Um, we'll see what happens and, next and, time out. If he's garbage the next time out, we'll know. Well, that doesn't. Yeah, I guess. I guess. And either that or it's just like it just, it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I do know that it's 2.11 a.m., on the eastern seaboard so if i vote for me we don't have a coley to just call like pat's definitely drunk asleep in a pile of his own piss <laughs> pete's been asleep for three hours like we don't have a tiebreaker so if i vote for me that's a that's a co clark's ketchup series mvp right no there's no tiebreaker we we have two Tommy Fan votes here. Yeah, Jake voted for me. So that's two two. Yes. Do you know how ties work, Tyler? Oh God, <laughs> that's a fair that's a fair criticism there. <laughs> Continue. So that being said, <laughs> think about it like this: 
if, <laughs> imagine if Tommy Pham found out because this would be his. Oh yeah, this would be his first, and he's gonna share it with you. He would probably be excited about that, or not, <laughs> or not excited. Do you want to find out? Yeah, it's up to you. My my, me and Tyler's hands are clean. We voted the right way. I hate that you guys are putting me in the spot. I wish that one of you voted for me so that I could vote for Tommy Pham. But now you're putting me in this impossible position to like, I'm forced to vote for myself. All right, well, because let's do it this way. I clearly deserve it, but so does let's Tommy do Pham. It. Let's do it like this. Jake's vote counts as two people. So you're the tiebreaker. It's already 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> if I'm the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. If it's 2-2 two, two and my vote is the one that counts as, here you go. Yep. Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. I'm going to vote. I'll vote for Tommy Pham. All right, Jake? Jake, <laughs> hold on. Time on. I didn't officially press submit. Jake? I was just going to say, we got a new sponsor. Yeah, who's the sponsor? <laughs> I heard it's CBDMD. CBDMD. Actually, they just sent me a bunch. I'm very excited to try those. Uh, especially um, tomorrow night to just mellow out. Breaking news. We got a new sponsor. A late season call up, if you will. It's CBDMD. The leaders in hemp-based CBD and Delta 9 THC products. These guys have everything you could possibly need to straight up feel better. And their latest breakthrough is Delta 9 THC. What is Delta 9 THC called? I feel like you would know that. It's uh, synthetic THC, essentially. Not synthetic. Oh, okay. These... In the lab, but it is it's not normal THC. Got it. These sneaky innovators found a way to get these Delta 9 THC products shipped directly. I got a burp. Hold on. Directly to your door. Now, some restrictions may apply because, of course, they do. So check your local laws before purchasing. But I'm telling you, this stuff is the real deal. They've got gummies packed with 10 milligrams of THC. Perfect for winding down after watching the Sox take two out of three against the New York Yankees. 10 milligrams. Does that sound like a lot to you? Because CBDMD has you covered with their microdose soft gels with just one milligram of THC. These guys pack a punch, uh, but that's perfect for all day support whenever you need it the most. Don't get all caught up in the technicalities. This is the same THC that you've come to know and love over the years. Just extracted from hemp. Uh, I am gonna um, I'm gonna try the the ten milligrams because I've been dealing with the uh, the one millies, and it's just. I think I'm ready to graduate, Coley. How do you feel about that? I think you're ready. I think I'm ready too. To learn more about Delta 9 and everything else CBDMD has to offer, just head to CBDMD.com. Once again, that is CBDMD.com for information, education, and the best damn gummies you've ever had. Must be 21 years or older to purchase Delta 9. Uh, where were we? Clark's Ketchup Series MVP? Yeah. Something like that. All right, so this is the tiebreaker. My vote is the Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. You really think that Tommy Pham deserves it over me, Coley? Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. What? Why? 
He only contributed to one win. He contributed to both. All right. That's fair, I guess. I mean, I don't know. The other thing, too, the um, when uh, Alex Verdugo had the walk off against the Yankees the last time that they were here. Yes. Okay. So I was on the monster for that on Friday. I didn't go on the monster until the middle of the eighth. I'm a little uncomfortable that you're bringing this up now. Yeah. On Friday night, I did not go on top of the monster until the middle of the eighth. And that's when everything went down. And then the Red Sox walked it off. And so I kind of contributed to two wins as well. By, by, You didn't bring this up until we were having this conversation. You can still, you can change your vote if you want. Uh, No, no, I'm not trying to change my vote. I just think it's kind of interesting. It feels like you're almost trying to, uh, you know, change the direction of me and Coley here. No, I I mean, I've just, I've stated nothing but facts in all of this. Dishonest. All right, fine. I'll vote for Tommy Pham. Good job, Tommy Pham. Coley, uh, you can go to bed if you want. I'm just going to do a little stop and shop. I will. Thank you. All right. Good night. Sweet dreams, Coley. You guys too. The stop and shop look ahead. Brought to you by Stop and Shop. The Red Sox are off on Monday, so you have all day to listen to this podcast. Good for you. Then they go to Pittsburgh to play the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, on Tuesday, you got Nick Pavetta versus Mitch Keller. Rich Hill versus JT Brubaker. Nathan Avaldi versus Bryce Wilson. And he spells it like an asshole. B-R-Y-S-E. That is not how you spell Bryce. It's never been how you spell Bryce. Mitch Keller, 4 and 8, a 425 ERA, uh, 141 whip, strikeouts per nine is 7.3, so not great. Uh, random stat, 22 starts, has allowed exactly five hits and 10 starts, including four out of his last five. Uh, his uh, last six starts have been pretty good 2 and 4, 223 ERA, a 328 FIP, 640 OPS against. He's pitched at least five innings and in seven straight starts and six, at least six innings. In six of his last seven. He doesn't get a ton of whiffs. Red Sox haters, three for 15 to double. And that belongs to Eric Hosmer, who's three for seven. JT Brubaker, two and 10 with a 445 ERA, a 150 whip, and a 9.4 strikeouts per nine. The Pirates are eight and 14 when he starts and are one and four in his last five. Uh, Big walk guy, 3.7 walks per nine, has multiple walks in 18 of his 22 starts. Fucking loves losing. Pirates have lost his last his last six straight starts. Uh, his 380 FIP would would uh, lead you to believe he's been a little bit better than what the ERA would show you. The ERA is ballooned by seven earned runs being allowed to the Philadelphia Phillies back on July 31st. Uh, every single pitch of his sucks, except <laughs> for his curveball. 214 batting average against 300 slug, 34% whiff rate. Uh, the Pirates are seven, fi- 7 and 15 when he starts. Red Sox hitters, 3 for 15. Fam, 0 for 8, 5 strikeouts against this fucking idiot. And then Hosmer, 3 for 7 with a double and a homer. Uh, Bryce Wilson, 
Two and seven, a 593 ERA, a 151 whip, and a 6.1 strikeouts per nine. This makes sense. He spells his name like an asshole, and he pitches like an asshole. Uh, he started in the 2020 NLCS against the Dodgers. I yeah, don't remember that. Six innings, like one hit. Boss Braves arm. Really? The Pirates are terrible. Yeah. Pirates are terrible at hitting, but somehow they score 4.66 runs per game for this dude. He's allowed five home runs in his last three starts. His savant page is horrific. (laughs) Horrific. Second in average exit velocity. Tenth in hard hit rate. First in expected batting. Fifth in expected slugging. Damn. This guy fucking sucks. Uh, the Pirates are 7-9 and nine when he starts, but se- uh, that doesn't make any sense. 7-9? Um, 7-9. Red Sox hitters 4-10. for 10. Bogey's 2-3 for three with a double. All right. Prediction time. Jake, I'll go with you first. I mean, for me, it feels like, feels like a sweep. Yeah, it really does, especially coming off two out of three against the Yankees. And I know that the Yankees are a bad team, but it it does it do be feeling that way. Tyler, I would love to know if you agree with Jake. I do agree with Jake tonight. You do? Uh, listen, I know I was saying I the reason I took two out of three against the Yankees, I was like, uh, something bad is probably going to happen in Pittsburgh. I feel like tonight was a true momentum changer. I think there's something to build on there. Um, and I, I like the pitching matchups. You get Nick Pavetta and Nate Evaldi, beautiful. Rich Hill in the middle game, concerning, but you're going to let Josh Winkowski follow him up. That should give the bullpen a little bit of a breather that day. Um, and you should have Schreiber hopefully available uh, tomorrow so, or on Tuesday, whatever. So you should have one of your elite bullpen arms. Nick Pavetta should be able to go deep into that game. And then by the time Nate Evaldi rolls around for the finale, Whitlock's ready to shoot. And I'm, I'm looking for the brooms. I'm with you. If it's not a sweep, it should be. If it's not a sweep, it should be. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to go sweep there. So we got, we got, a, we got a sweep of sweeps. We get a sweep of sweeps, and that being said, Tyler has to go to sweep. Wow, I actually regret not voting you Clark's ketchup MVP now. Listen. I don't think you'll ever have another opportunity. You fucking blew it. Wow. You blew it. That was my only shot. Um, I'll, I didn't I'll get take, it. I'll take accountability. This is on me. It kind of is. I shouldn't have put that kind of pressure on Coley. His first true episode on here. You knew Coley wasn't going to vote for me. It was, you know, Jake shot me a text during that conversation and he tried to talk me, you know, talk a little sense into me. And I, I cracked. I, I didn't pay attention. So I'm sorry, Jake. Don't say sorry to me. Say sorry to the people because they were uh, probably rooting for you to vote for me as well. I apologize to everyone. Um, I really don't know what's gotten into me lately. I've been going through some stuff, so uh, mm. I'm sorry. Okay. I, ac- I accept your apology. That's all I that do. counts. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back on fucking Thursday, right? So that'll technically be Friday morning. Yeah. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series. Yeah, we'll record. Well, unless is Thursday a day game? I don't think so. No. 
No, 7 p.m. All right. Then we'll be back on Friday morning. We appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you uh, enjoyed Coley being here. A little uh, two hour and 20 something minute podcast. Tyler, thank you for being here. I know that uh, sleep is not your friend. When the Red Sox are winning, fuck sleep. Fuck sleep. Red Sox are winning baseball games. Jake, Jake's another guy. He's fucking going to be up at it in this goddamn podcast. So um, I'm going to stay in solidarity. I'm going to stay up until four to be like, you know what? If my guys aren't sleeping, I'm not sleeping. And that's how that leaders lead. Leaders lead. I'm actually just going to eat cookies. Really? Again, I'm really sorry about the uh, MVP. You're once again showing (laughs) why, uh, why you deserved it. Leaders lead. So, all right. Uh, We'll catch you Friday morning. Buenas noches, amigos.